Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So, Doug, you're excited for Thanksgiving this week? Not applicable. (laughs) I don't know what you want to say to that. We're America, Doug. Everyone knows the entire rest of the world is supposed to change their stuff to match our stuff. Yeah, this is the real Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, it's not a real Thanksgiving unless you're celebrating the genocide of indigenous peoples. That's right. That's with see, a gross. Here, false we, history. we only committed. Uh, we only did like more of a cultural genocide rather than a literal genocide. So I don't know from some uh, of the stuff I've. Red, uh, yeah. your Native Americans are still being treated pretty badly up there. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we we have the benefit of being next to you guys once again. So it's like we didn't get our army to just ride oh, yeah. across the country and try to literally wipe a race of people off the earth. So I was, we're I was still good guys, say, relatively you guys speaking. You guys don't turn fire hoses and stuff on them every time they complain. So I suppose yeah. you're a step ahead. Exactly. It's it's all about the the low expectations of being a uh, neighbor to the Americans. It's really nice, actually. Now I'm sad. You're just you're not cool enough to be number one like we are. Yeah, that's that's it. Well, America, we're number one in all the worst things. <sighs> I don't know. Does anybody else have any other banter before we start? Now I'm sad now. Stop reminding me about the real world. The real world sucks. It doesn't have a single living car in it. Not even a Herbie. Herbie sucks. Remember when all the cars on on the earth tried to have a human genocide? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm using genocide as my is my segue. You you remember? You remember? Uh, I'll tell you one thing. You know they're American-built cars. <laughs> uh, hey Noah, do you, do you want to do you want to break down uh, Maximum Overdrive for us? Yeah. So Maximum Overdrive is the one and only film directed by Stephen King that I know of. Uh, Unless there is a secret, is there a secret film? No, it's directed by Cocaine. It's not directed by Stephen King. Oh well. <laughs> Stephen King, at this point in his life, was the avatar of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't really a way to tell the difference between the two. Right. No. Uh, and it's about the Earth passing through the uh, tail of a comet, mm-hmm. which 
apparently there's also a, a mothership, but you don't find out about that until the end credits. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. And basically, so I don't know what the fuck the rules are here. It, it apparently it, it says it affects not everything that's electronic, but a whole bunch of things that have zero electronics in them come to life. Mm-hmm. No. And yeah. I don't understand how how it works because the things can also do things that they shouldn't be able to do. Right. So yeah. So the rules don't make any fucking Is sense. It- but is it possible? Did you forget to do cocaine before you watch this movie? Is that what happened? Oh, that's this might be it. This could be I on you. I forgot about the cocaine. I was going to say the reason yeah. for all this is cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, everyone can bag on this movie all they want. I like it. It's so much fun. But, no, it is tons of fun. But look, finish yeah. your finish your plot description. And we yeah, the plot description is the machines. The machines try to kill everyone. And we have a disparate group of people who one way or another end up at a truck stop in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and they attempt to hide from the machines and then attempt to fight the machines and then attempt to uh, make deals with the machines and then attempt to escape from the machines, which is successful. Uh, and then a Russian satellite shoots a UFO in space <laughs> off screen and everything's all right again. Off screen. Um, moral of the story cocaine cocaine Uh, I I think the big thing is so people I I think this this film gets unfairly bagged on every once in a while (laughs) unfairly well so here's the thing Stephen King clearly has an aesthetic that he likes and that aesthetic <laughs> is, is, is cocaine. A, no, it's a very <laughs> EC comics creep show esque aesthetic, which works really, yep. really good in small doses. But if you try to stretch it out into a full length movie, then you're just like, what in the weird fuck is happening right now? <laughs> well, yeah, I think people misjudge this film because I think people look at this and say it's not a very good horror film. But. That's because it's effectively a comedy film. So, of course, it's not a good horror film. And when you look at it through that light, I think it changes everything, right? All of a sudden, you realize that we're here for the ATM machines that call people assholes and to watch Yardley Smith drive everybody fucking nuts. That's really what you're in this movie for. Then, like, the killer trucks and stuff is all kind of add-on. I was going to say, this. It's one of the interesting things about the movie is it's actually, like, the cast is really solid, Mm-hmm. And yet they're all putting in bad performances. All I can imagine is coked up Stephen King yelling at them and going, no, do it worse. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that there are bad performances. Oh, my God. Uh, Emilio I, I, Estevez is. I like I. OK, but it, it's like you hired a high schooler. But is it a bad performance or is he doing exactly what the director told him to do? Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I And the performances are because of Stephen King. Like, that's what I'm saying. All I can imagine is him going, no, I don't like I don't like it with all the good stuff. Do it worse. <laughs> no, but OK, so hear, hear me out. I got a fan theory that I developed as I was rewatching this film. And the reason you guys think that that it's bad is because it's. 
it, this is a parody film is what this is, right? This is a parody of Night of the Living Dead. And all these characters are playing parodies of iconic horror characters. So you've got like the the young tough guy. Well, if you do a parody of that, you get the Emilio Estevez character. You've got the annoying woman who is always panicking. If you do a parody of that, you get to the Yardley Smith character. You've got the like the big tough guy that that thinks he knows everything and wants to fight everybody. If you do a parody of that, you get to the Bubba character. Uh, everybody in this movie is a parody of an iconic horror like cliche. And the whole movie is the storyline of Night of the Living Dead, except instead of reanimating dead corpses, the comet flying overhead reanimates random assortment of machines and gives them magical powers. Okay. And if you if you look at it from that perspective, these aren't bad performances. You're just judging them wrong because you're judging them as horror movie performances and not parody performances. Maybe that's true. I will I will say another problem is casting Emilio Estevez as a tough guy has been tried several times and it doesn't work. He's a squirrely is, little fucking midget dude. Like he's not. But you're for, you're forget you're also forgetting that it was the eighties though, and the idea of what a tough guy was in the eighties was a little different than what we think of now. Like like the the Schwarzeneggers and the Stallones hadn't come along yet and <laughs> decided to play every men who happened to be giant muscle guys. Like people thought of Emilio Estevez as a jock back then. Yeah. Tape some little... dudes, uh, butt cheeks together. Exactly. I was going to see, I, I suppose that's true. But before this movie was made, you had people like Charles Bronson, Charles Bronson's mm-hmm. scary. Like, I would have shit my pants if that dude threatened me in a bar. Yeah. Well, the world, I don't think, knew, or at least they didn't really care that he was Charlie Sheen's brother at this point. So maybe they didn't know enough yeah, to be scared. I don't, I don't know if people knew or not. That's weird. But. No. Yeah. We, yeah, we do have to say this, this movie contains two of the greatest scenes of all time. Uh, the opening scene, okay. which Stephen King, uh, I'm assuming playing himself, is at the <laughs> ATM machine. Yep. And he turns around to his wife and goes, hey, this machine called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that whole o- opening sequence, uh, like people can complain about this movie all they want. I happen to love it. I that opening sequence is just so much fun. The machine calls him an asshole. The bridge is dumping people into the water. There's watermelons flying everywhere. ACDC's fucking touring van is getting smashed up. Like, what more do you want from an opening sequence? Steamroller running over kids on a baseball field. Fuck yeah. yeah, that's a little later. It doesn't matter. I was, matter. So was awesome. going to say, that's, that, a, that's, that's another thing we need to establish is, is uh, a terrible fucking choice. So, I like ACDC. Sure. But ACDC has made their entire musical career just making the same song over and over and over again. Because that's what ACDC right. does. Every ACDC song is just every other ACDC song. You can't. No one can tell them apart. I defy you to tell them apart. <laughs> I, the lyrics are different. The lyrics are different. Not a same lot music, different. Same Not song. a lot different. But yeah, I know. <laughs> But you, yeah, have to, yes. you have to remember, Noah. Cocaine. I know. If if, if you're doing if you're doing a lot of cocaine, um, this is obviously 
That's the type of music. You just want the same song playing over and over and over and over again. So ACDC is like the perfect band for the soundtrack. I I was going to say, the funny thing is this has been done to great effect and theoretically great effect several times. You know what I mean? We've got like the She's the One soundtrack. Garbage fucking movie. Couldn't give a shit about that movie. But a whole Tom Petty soundtrack. Delightful. Right. It's true. And uh, Flash Gordon with fucking Queen. Fan-fucking-tastic. Highlander, again, Queen. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's be real. Anything with Queen is The The magical. idea for doing Dune with Pink Floyd doing the entire soundtrack is a genius fucking idea. It would have been great. It's too bad we didn't get that. <sighs> and then you've got Stephen King on Coke picking ACDC. <laughs> yeah. I just, I cannot, I cannot think of another band. On on the face of the fucking earth, that is a worse decision to have do the entire soundtrack to a movie. <laughs> I, I go back. You. I go back to my point from before. It's look the same way that these performances are not bad performances; they're parody performances. It's hilarious that ACDC plays constantly throughout this movie. <laughs> and I have to think that somewhere in his coke riddled mind, Stephen King knew that when he made that decision. I think that somewhere in there he's like, you know, it would be funny is if we act like it's a different song every time, but really it always sounds the same. And the only time it actually makes sense is when we do Who Made Who right after that chick yells the lyrics of it and gets shot up by a fucking whatever. By Again, because rules don't apply, a gun that can fire on its own, but for some reason cars still need gas in order to operate. So, Well, a gun, a gun that can fire on its own in a building full of guns that never fire on their own. Right. <laughs> but it's or connected to a car. In in a world where vehicles come alive and kill their owners, two of the main characters drive halfway across the country like being chased by other possessed vehicles, but their car is just super chill. How come the vehicles need to get gas, but the lawnmowers that don't have any mechanism to roll their wheels at all can chase people around? <laughs> right. Right. I was going to talk about that. Also, lawnmower, pull start, no electronic components. Yep. What about the pop machine that can throw the pop? Like, there's nothing in the machine that can throw pop like that. Oh, well, <laughs> throw well hold on. To, like, hold on. Now, let's not, let's not insult the greatest movie moment of all, <laughs> <laughs> which is the soda machine busting a dude's balls twice and then killing him by bricking him in the head with a Coke can. <laughs> It's it's like the machine knew enough to throw pop cans at his balls so that he'd fall to his knees so that it could throw a pop can at his head. <laughs> it was like a planned out thing. It's like, well, you can only shoot cans forward, so I have to get him to fall to his knees somehow. But the thing That's is, that leads right to the next great movie moment, which is what that kid is just standing there and he just holds that catcher's mask up in front of his face so the pop cans bounce off. The pop cans that were moving fast enough to kill a man with one pop can to the head. But this kid just holds up a catcher's mask and, yep, no problem now. Completely saved. Oh, outstanding. I don't think that mask would have helped him from the steamroller, though. No. I think it probably would have saved him. We didn't see him try it, so we don't know. When that steamroller takes that kid down and you see him go under, I'm like, they held on to that shot the exact right amount of time. The exact right amount of time. Which it's not quite Looney Tunes. You don't quite see the body flattened out on the ground, but it's close. 
I was going to say another thing with this film is it seems to alternate between very PG esque violence and then right mm-hmm. back to something like pretty na- gnarly. You know what I mean? You're like, whoa. <laughs> Wait, because like there are scenes like the early on when that knife attacks the waitress, the electric knife, and then Emilio has to kill it with a hammer. Um, when it gets into her arm and then it goes back after her foot, like that's cringy, difficult to watch gore. And then, you know, that's just a couple of minutes before the pop cans are flying at guys' heads. So <laughs> I mean, damn, well, we get we get three people, I think, in the movie that get just absolutely jacked by a semi hitting them. Which that's yep. that's pretty delightful. Uh, the, the guy that gets it, the the guy that's been blinded, um, when he gets hit, that shot is fantastic too, because you just see the blood splatter everywhere. Oh, oh yeah. And then he, I, I think it's that legs. one after two that when uh, when then the truck goes and parks itself and it's just covered in blood, because <laughs> it's like oh, I'm done my killing for the day. I'll just go rest over here. <laughs> what about uh, if we're talking about just we're just yelling ridiculous shit about oh, the movie, yeah, yeah. right? Like every, everybody, we assume everybody has seen the movie and knows what we're talking about. And, that is the proper well, context to speak of this film is shouting yeah. random things. <laughs> what about when the trucks decide they need to get gassed up, which we've established doesn't really make sense. But then, so first of all, there's two major problems. The first one is we've already seen that the gas hose can spray gas at random up into people's faces, which is not how those things work at all. <laughs> so so if it can do that, why can't these things just pull up and just have the hose magically pop in and fill them up and move on? Why do they need the people at all? It doesn't make any sense, right? But then beyond that, we've got these characters who are out there just filling trucks with gas. That's all they're doing is they're just standing by the gas tank. They fill the truck with gas and then a truck pulls up and the next one pulls up and they fill it with gas. And this movie plays it like that is the most physically exhausting thing. Like people are collapsing from exhaustion from sharing the load of just pumping gas into trucks. Like how many hours would you have to pump gas to get that tired? (laughs) <laughs> they're it's like guys are like having trouble walking back to the restaurant after they've pumped gas for a while it doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever <laughs> like I, I think if you ask most like gas station attendants they'll tell you, you know dealing with customers tiring and annoying but the actual physical pumping of gas you're, you're kind of just standing there maybe once in a while your fingers get tired you switch over and hold the thing with the other hand for a while i guess i don't know <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. I think it plays back to my like thing about this being a parody film where, you know, it's something real would be happening and these guys mm-hmm. would get tired. But I, I, I don't understand it. That's actually where the uh, short story ends. It's the, oh, really? uh, yeah, they're pumping gas and it's the realization that uh, they can't see the end of the line for the trucks. So the thought is, this is their existence now. They're just slaves to these autonomous trucks, and their they're only just purpose gas station attendants. The slaves. only purpose that they're going to have anymore is to fill up trucks, and they'll never ever stop showing up. I love it. That's a great yeah. ending. Yeah, it's not cokey enough. <laughs> it's not blowing shit up with the fucking rocket launcher, and then hopping on a sailboat to get the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. So everyone knew I was going to rave about loving this movie just for that alone. Everyone knows I love an unnecessary bazooka. Just 
any movie where you can just fucking cram a bazooka in with little to no explanation of how the fuck that bazooka got there. It was in the cellar. I I understand it was in the cellar of the truck stop. Three of them, at least three bazookas in the basement of a truck stop. Yeah. So that's just the kind of guy he is. I just figured it's an American movie and that's just how (laughs) it works. You're not wrong. We're sure as fuck heading that way. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, Doug. It's it's okay to shoot people and just say, hey, I was threatened. It was self-defense. I'm aware, I'm aware that your vigilante justice has been legalized in your country. It's not a new thing. You guys no. are just getting upset about it again. <laughs> I don't know if it's been as blatant, but that's another discussion. Uh, but I've been mean, I... one down in Florida. I'll be honest, from the beginning of that thing, I kind of knew he would never, ever, 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 ever get first degree murder. But them finding him innocent of reckless homicide blows my fucking mind. There's okay. we we shouldn't get into it, but the problem (laughs) isn't that case. The problem is the legislation that allows like what happened is probably the legally correct solution. It's just this is why you shouldn't be so politically apathetic because you need to get upset when they're making these laws and prevent them from making this the law rather than getting upset after the people get shot. And mm. like le- legally what happened is probably is probably correct. There's plenty of like YouTube videos out there from lawyers that'll explain it to you, but well, maybe we all need guns to defend ourselves from the autonomous vehicles that are going to take over the human race. I agree. That's, that is why, you got to know where the no, clearest no, the nearest truck stop is at any given time so that Bubba can show you down yeah. to the cellar. And the Y'all got any rocket launchers down there? I was going to say, yeah. speaking, speaking of autom- autonomous trucks, uh, another favorite part of the movie is whenever a truck blows up before it wrecks. Hmm. Oh, yeah, it happens a couple times. That's just bad special effects, though. I can forgive that. <laughs> no, my God. The the one that's chasing uh, uh, Yardley Smith and her husband that like it blows up as as it's getting ready to drive over a cliff. Yeah. Then yeah. goes over, blows up. Then it cuts back to them who are looking at it at the at the bottom of, of the hill. It fell down unexploded and then it explodes again. <laughs> that's 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 correct. That's an accurate description of what happened. Not only that, not only that, but let's keep in mind that all they did was swerve mildly and that truck was just confused and drove off a cliff. It was one of those things where you're just like that like these trucks are incompetent. If that's how easy it is to defeat one, then it shouldn't be a problem because that that what that's one of the cars that's on their side so they could just keep that car going, I guess. We're not sure why that car and those guns sided with the humans. That's not addressed in the film. Any other favorite parts besides all of it? I don't know. I I do uh, do kind of wish more of the movie was the kid on the bike riding through town, just being attacked by random ass shit. (laughs) It's like ice cream truck, lawnmower. (laughs) It's fun. I mean, nowadays it'd be funny. He'd be be walking around and just drones would be crashing into him. (laughs) That's the remake. It's coming. We do need a remake. I feel like now's the perfect time for it since we're so reliant on electronics nowadays. What about that part where the guy who I don't think he has a name 
And I don't think he has any other point in the movie whatsoever, but he's just uh, a character from a black exploitation movie who goes in to play video games and all the machines start spewing stuff at him. So he just starts to collect it all up. And we spend about uh, three minutes watching him pick shit up off the floor and stuff it in his pockets <laughs> before then when he's finally gotten everything. The machines just kill them somehow again by doing things that they're not capable of doing. It's it's weird that that scene kind of starts with him watching the pinball machine going crazy and then like talking shit to the pinball machine. You're like, yeah, wait, wait, what? That's his reaction. You see a pinball machine playing itself and your reaction's like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. I fucking, did, I, did I mention that I love this movie because it's so dumb and it's just so much fun to watch yeah people 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 call this movie horrible but I'm like yeah but it's horrible in the best ways possible I like, just I just don't I think it's misunderstood I feel like somewhere they had to know what kind of movie they were making well Stephen King didn't because he was way too hopped up on uh, cocaine <laughs> Char Char was kind of in and out of the room while I was watching it. And, you know, she she doesn't like bloody gory stuff. And I told her and I was like, this has some in it, but it's, you know, for the most part, it's. It's so fake that it's not a big deal. And, Mm -hmm. and of course, she walks into the room at the exact moment that the kitchen knife attacks that woman. And it's like (laughs) the only super gory moment in the whole film. Fuck you. I was like, what are the odds? No, what are the odds it. of her walking into the room right then? The same odds that uh, if you're watching Reanimator when you're like 15, that your mom's going to walk in on the scene where the severed head is going between that girl's legs. Oh, yeah. You're going to hell, Brian. <laughs> now my grandma will just be like, what are you watching? This doesn't seem right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. know. Uh, you want to know about some other story flaws that I noticed? Sure. I mean, if you start, call, if you could starting with that. The, well, the obvious one is that, um, that when they get to the boats at the end, that they're like, ah, oh, we'll just use a sailboat because it doesn't have a motor. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of stuff that doesn't have motors in this movie that attacks people. <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. But then even when they're like the whole point to get into the boat is we can get out to this island and on the island it's um, there's no cars. You're like, yeah, but there's still lots of other shit out there. It doesn't make any sense at all. I was going to say it's a just, motorboat could just drive into the island, <laughs> come crashing in yeah. and fucking kill you. Motorboat could just run right into that sailboat, kill right, everybody, yep. drown. See, this is why we need... Need a sequel. 30 years later, what happened? Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Duck guy, I swear to God. Well, he's not doing another season of that uh, Mighty Ducks TV show, so he's got some time on his hands. That's that's too bad, because it was all right. Yeah. It was fine. I don't know if I'll watch the second season. Apparently he did not get paid what he thought he should, so he's not going to come back for another one. I like uh, that because he, somehow he became a hero because he's everyone was like, he's not doing it because he's anti-vax. And then he's like, fuck you. I'm not anti-vax. I'm greedy. And everyone's like, yeah, he's a hero. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> Anyways, so can weird. we tie okay, on a scale of one to ten is the is where do you put the whole by the way? 
there was a spaceship, and by the way, the <laughs> Russians have satellites that are said to be weather satellites, but they're really space weapons, and they destroyed the aliens for us. So sure, I'm glad those Russians have those Stephen <laughs> creepy King. weapons up there. Stephen King's trying to bring people together. That's what's going on. My, my argument is, that, is there is no more Stephen King ending than that. He has a propensity to let a story go on for too long and then be like, fuck, I'm going to get in this uh, thing I've never mentioned before. Story over. <laughs> the thing is, like that crawl starts across the screen, the, the writing and you're like, OK, this they're just going to tell us that the comet kept flying away because they'd set it up the whole time where all they had to do was survive until the comet was gone. Right. So all you had to do was say seven days later, comet's gone. Everybody's fine. And that uh, he didn't, he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> it's, it's the most batshit insane thing ever. I don't, and I'm trying to remember, I don't even remember if the comet and stuff is even part of the short story. Which I don't think it is. I think that's all made up for the movie. Well, isn't the short story is much more heavily, it's the trucks that come to life too, right? It's not just everything. Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe so. It's been a while since I read it. Which yeah. is why Trucks is the superior version. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I've never seen, but... Yeah, that you're fine. You don't need to see it. That's that's kind of why I've never seen it. It's Imagine this movie, but taking itself deadpan serious, starring the guy from 30-something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does, that, does that seem like something you'll want to watch? Nah, not really. <laughs> Didn't, didn't seem like there'd be enough cocaine on that set for it to be an enjoyable movie. Cocaine. Nope. It's the kind of movie where once in a while when things are cranked up to 11, somebody turns it down a little bit and everyone just lets that happen. <laughs> Not in this movie. <laughs> this movie, it's at 11 and people's hands are getting bloody trying to turn that higher. <laughs> Jesus. Also, what better time? What better time to watch Maximum Overdrive than right now when Spider-Man's getting ready to come out with the return of the Green Goblin? <laughs> As a child, I remember watching this movie. It's, like, it's 86, so I'd probably be like around 9 the first time I saw it. And I'm like, why is the Green Goblin in this movie? But there was no internet back then. Like, you couldn't Google it. So I'm like, am I the only one that recognizes that that's the Green Goblin? Or <laughs> does everyone else know? Like, it was weird. It was one of those moments where I just, I remember being a kid and being like, ah, and I'm asking my older brother. I'm like, why is the Green Goblin there? And he's like, shut up. I don't want to talk to you because you're my little brother. So <laughs> I never had like, it was like years later. I'm like, like when the internet came along that I'm like, okay, everybody else does recognize it. Okay, good. I have to assume it's from one of the unnecessary explanations from the Stephen King short story. Am I right, Brian? No, the Green Goblin plays no role in it whatsoever. Is that right? See, I figured it would be one of those things where that truck driver, Stephen King, takes 30 pages to a side to talk about his childhood and his love of Green Goblin and Spider-Man comics and all of all the things that uh, make the Green Goblin good only to return to the story to explain. And it's like, and that's why he chose unleaded gasoline. No. (laughs) Well, that'd be wrong. It does seem like something would happen. Because the semis run on diesel. Come on. You you know what I mean. <laughs> you you've read his books as much as I have. He does. The thing that. is, can you imagine 
Can you imagine being in the production room, though, when he's like trying to explain to them why he needs a giant green goblin head? And they're like, that doesn't exist. We're going to have to build that for this movie. Can you explain to us why? And he's like, "Okay, fuck it. Just do it. What are you talking about? Just do it. And eventually, like, somebody is just like, I guess, like, Dino De Laurentiis is just like, just fucking build him a giant green goblin head. But don't call it that. We're not paying for the rights to the green goblin. Just make Uh, up a different name for it. But, I believe they did license the uh, the, did they? the character, yeah. Because if you're going to license it, you'd think you'd name drop it once in the movie, and I don't believe they do. No. Huh. Just, it's, a, it's a truck for a toy company. That's about as far as you get. Seems like they wanted something that had a definable face. Sure. I think Stephen King was a big fan of comics, and I think he just, again, cocaine, was like, oh, what if we got a big green goblin face? It'll be fucking great. <laughs> You've seen Spider-Man and his pals. You're going you're gonna to put a giant comic book character in this, so then this is a movie for kids, is it? Nah, no, there's some kids in it, but they get run over by steamrollers and shit. <laughs> uh, somebody now owns that uh, goblin thing now. And they uh, have completely restored it. Nice. And they, t- they take it around. That's you can amazing. take a picture with it at like horror conventions and stuff. It's awesome. I would I would probably try to do that until I found out they were charging money and then not bother. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to see if there's an explanation for the uh, Green Goblin here in the old trivia, but I don't know. Trivia one. 37 eight balls of cocaine were consumed during filming. Here we go. Stephen King is a huge fan of ACDC. And when he met with them, oh, yes. asked them if they would provide music for this movie. Uh, he also offered the band a role in the film, but ACDC declined, stating they are not actors. Claims there is a scene with the band on a boat are untrue. However, the band agreed to do the soundtrack after Stephen King's song, Ain't No Fun, Waiting round to be a millionaire from their 1976 album, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. King sang the entire song from start to finish, and the band laughingly agreed that if he was such a fan, they would do it for him. ACDC performed all but two songs featured in the film, including two unreleased mixes of previously recorded songs. And the entire 1987 album, Who Made Who, is the soundtrack to this movie. Jesus. I didn't realize they actually recorded new music for this. Yeah. I just assumed they just grabbed everything off the album. Oh, yeah, you you didn't. uh, Once again, I like ACDC. I'm not a super fan or anything, but they sound like uh, more like live tracks than than the album stuff does. Didn't really pick up on it. I kind of figured that maybe like a, a music supervisor had like looped some songs differently or whatever to get them the right notes hitting when they wanted to for the purposes of the movie but uh stephen king later called this a quote moron movie unquote that's fair that's fair (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean at least the guy can see his own flaws again i do not consider any of those flaws i just think (laughs) People who criticize this movie are the kind of people who don't like Chopping Mall, and they're wrong. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jesus Christ, there's a ton of trivia for this movie. Uh, the logo on the side of the Green Goblin truck reads, Here Comes Another Load of Joy. 
that sounds <laughs> sexual. That's, that's disturbing, but in a way where it's kind of your fault if you're disturbed by it. I mean, it's uh, got that creepy clown on the back. Here comes another load of joy, kids. Meh, meh, meh. Yeah, there's no trivia about the the goblin face. Well, seems like I had read something. But maybe not. Anyway, if you haven't watched Maximum Overdrive, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. It's it's a high recommend. Get yourself get yourself a nice six pack of good imported beer. You know, maybe a <laughs> bucket of beer? popcorn. That's what you think this movie needs is Heineken's? Ew, no. I said good imported beer. <laughs> I think this is more of a Pops Blue Ribbon kind of movie, quite honestly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe okay. just whiskey, how but how no mix, you? just a bottle. Just a bottle <laughs> in your hand sitting up Now there. you're just begging for hipsters wearing fedoras with pencil-thin mustaches to watch this movie. And I refuse to allow them uh, into my club. John Waters? I forgot uh, about it. I forgot John Waters isn't dirty years. enough to wear a fedora. <laughs> When asked why he hasn't directed a movie since Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King responded, quote, just watch Maximum Overdrive, unquote. <laughs> uh, so we had a $10 million it, it, budget. It is okay, super let's have weird. have a $10 million budget. <laughs> it's just super weird to give a guy who has absolutely no history with working on any kind of film the director's chair on a movie. Uh, that's not true. He did he did a lot of work on uh, Creepshow, which I believe was also a Dino De Laurentiis movie, as was this. So thus, why Dino was like, ah, you've been on a movie set. You know what you're doing. Let's be honest. Dino Dino's like, like, hey, can you squeeze in a comet? I like that meteor shit. Say meteor <laughs> shit. <laughs> Now let's go do cocaine yeah, Dino, together. Dino just, Dino just was like, everybody loves Stephen King. Let Stephen King do whatever he wants. and We'll make a bunch of money. And then they didn't. And then he didn't let him do it again. <laughs> it's true, though. He made a shit ton of fucking Dino De Laurentiis. Or Dino De Laurentiis made a shit ton of Stephen King adaptations. Oh, he made a bunch of money off him, too, I'm sure. Yeah. The problem with this movie, the reason it didn't make money is because it's 1986 and they gave him a fucking $10 million budget. Well, <laughs> what were they thinking? Like, it's <laughs> like this movie should have a $10 million budget today, but not in 1986. No, especially since the worldwide gross was only a 7.5 million. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. What's really weird is I have the numbers in front of me and it says Canada, U.S. gross, 7.5 million worldwide gross 7.5 million so they didn't bother to release it anywhere else <laughs> i have no idea which is weird like, this totally seems like the type of thing that they would have released in japan and fucking japan would have been like fuck yeah <laughs> it's, oh it's like a, dude if they it's like a they number one movie the there italian market in the italian market this thing would have had unofficial sequels <laughs> well, in, in the Italian market, they probably wouldn't have paid attention to it because they would have assumed it was an Italian movie to begin with. Yeah, maybe those effects. Yeah. Yeah, if they release they this, U.S. to speak Italian. If they released this in Japan and Japan loved it, there would have been like Green Goblin truck toys. One of them would have been a Transformer. It would have been great. That's actually, now that I think about it, I'm surprised I haven't seen the toy of the Green Goblin truck, because that's that's iconic at this point. Right. 
seems like somebody remembers. It doesn't exist. Maybe they don't. Could be licensing issues. Yeah, it could be. But it, like you'd think throughout the 80s and 90s that Marvel would have sold those rights to somebody. <laughs> oh, looks like some people have made their own. That's fun. Just a Green Goblin toy and you rip the head off and stick it on a truck. <laughs> uh, well, anything else before we move on? No, that's it. I'll take that as that's enough. Yeah. I think I think we all uh, we, we all got our point across here. This movie's just amazing in the worst kind of way. Good for it. You say the worst kind of way. I say the best kind of way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Doug, do you want to run down Christine for us? Christine. uh, Christine is the name of a 1957 Plymouth. And uh, as as it's being made, it decides to kill a couple of factory workers, but... You know, capitalism, so they just still ship it out. No, no questions asked. <laughs> uh, what is it, 1978? This, like, really, really nerdy kid um, sees this broken down old car on the side of the road and decides he's got to have it and fix it up. So he buys it. Um, and he is able to fix it all up nice and new. So now him and the car have a weird loyalty to each other where whatever the magic of the car is making him be cool and helping him get a girlfriend and stuff. But then some bullies that were picking on him in school decide to trash his car in like a weird eighties movie fashion where it's like, this isn't like a prank anymore. This is (laughs) ludicrous. What you're doing. This is, this is a very serious crime that was committed. Yeah. And then, uh, the car, we learned that it can naturally regenerate itself and it, hunts down the bullies and kills them. So then the guy's uh, girlfriend and his best friend have to get together and kill the car, which really doesn't logically hold up because all they do is crush it. But if it can magically regenerate itself, then so what that it got crushed? Um, But that's the movie plot wise. Sure. Yeah, it fuses. I mean, it it fuses two ideas pretty well. It's, it's a running theme in Stephen King stories that involve any type of machine. This idea of a, a little bit of you goes into the machine and a little bit of the machine ends up in you. There's this weird ex- magical exchange. Uh, yeah, it's it's in Mangler and a bunch of other stories. And and the fact that the story is basically the idea of those weird dudes in high schools that uh, were so into their car, you were pretty convinced that they wanted to fuck their car. And this story is just, what if that car wanted to fuck them back? Very much. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's also got the Stephen King, the typical like greaser bullies. Um, you know, it's got the, the typical horror movie theme of like, you get this car and okay, now it's making you cool and all this, but it turns you into kind of an asshole. And what are you giving up in order to get all the things that you thought you wanted? It's it's, there's a lot of cliches in this movie. Uh, the, one, say. the one good thing though is, uh, John Carpenter directs this movie. So all the cliches yeah. end up coming off really well. Right. Yeah. This is John this Carpenter is a prime is example like, of the fact that you can take a Stephen King story and make it into a good movie. Exactly. Yeah, this is John Carpenter in the 
in the 80s is the perfect guy to direct a Stephen King short story because he's able to merge that like the cheesiness of the idea of like, oh, a car is going to regenerate itself. And, you know, you've literally got a scene in this movie where a guy's like standing there like laughing like the Joker while the car's physically reforming itself and the, the dents are popping back out and shit. Um, but somehow because John Carpenter is just a master at his craft, it looks fucking great and you're really impressed as it happens. And I don't, I don't know how to explain how Carpenter makes these cheesy ideas work really well on screen. It's fascinating, but I can't think of anyone else who could do it as well as him. Well, um, is it Brian? Yeah. Brian Fuller apparently is doing a remake of this movie. Okay. He did uh, did the Hannibal TV show. Yep. Yep. And he was on the King cast, which is this podcast all about breaking down like, uh, Stephen King adaptations and stuff. And he seemed to have a really interesting take on it that um, from the perspective of like a queer perspective. So I'm interested to see him. And this was even before he was even involved with doing the remake. He was sort of talking about some interesting things from it and stuff that lend to like a queer perspective. So I'm kind of interested to see what he's going to end up doing with the new movie. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I would say the biggest strike against this movie from the uh, modern day sensibilities is the blatant evil gay character. They couldn't they couldn't avoid that one. Which one's the evil gay character? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. the, the bad He's... greasers, the the fat one. Uh, oh, he keeps grabbing everybody's teasley. He keeps grabbing everybody's dick and it and he talks like this mm. yeah he's i mean he's the quintessential evil gay like that's that's what he is i don't know he wasn't he's not as much of an evil gay as has shown up in some of the other movies we've talked about i mean he's no ursula from the little mermaid but <laughs> that's the weirdest comparison well, that's the worst. I mean, every, uh, it's, it, someday everyone has to admit that. It's the worst case of that ever. Like, nobody yeah. has ever been more like, here's a big evil lesbian. Like, <laughs> uh, and the fact that the leader of the evil group <laughs> is is what is it like 57 how old is that actor he's flunked a bunch of times okay you can't help it holy <laughs> shit he's old what's super weird is that like the main group like uh, like the quote-unquote good guys don't they seem age appropriate they're a bit old to be in high school but like you know it's a movie and he is just he's somebody's grandfather i don't, I don't get it <laughs> right it's like he's is he the shop teacher? Is maybe maybe that's why they they get so upset when he's bullying those other students. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> he's also he's 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 ripped. He has a uh, a pseudo feathered mullet mm. and the ugliest fucking sideburns I've ever seen on a human being. I don't know who decided he should have those, but I hope it's not the actor himself. Cause he should be ashamed of himself. You say ugly. I say I'm jealous of them. 
I I, I don't I can't complain about those sideburns. What? They're so high and pointy. <laughs> Why? They're like Joe Dirt fucking sideburns on steroids. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why I want them. Oh, <laughs> people make me ill. This is the guy who doesn't have facial hair. Come on. I just, if I could grow a beard, I would. Don't, don't, don't be mean to me. I'm not being mean. I just think you're mad at those sideburns because you can't grow them. It's fine. As I've said a thousand times, I've tried. I look like a wet, effeminate werewolf. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for anyone involved. Uh, oh, that can't be right. I'm checking this right now, and it's trying to tell me that the that actor who played the bully is only two years older than the actor who played Ernie. I don't believe <laughs> that. He lied. He lied on his resume. That's how he got uh, in the movie. He he must have lived a whole other life of experience beforehand. Then <laughs> Jesus, I'm just saying that dude That's has nuts. been laying in a tanning bed since he was born until the day they started shooting. If he is that old, yeah, like it's it's saying that he is. He was born in 59, so he would have been like 23 or something at the time of filming. He seems so much older than that. He sure does. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> he looks Did he like start John... doing steroids as a toddler? Did he go through puberty at three? Is that the problem? I don't, I, it doesn't say that specifically about him here. He looks like John Carpenter now. <laughs> That's how old he was. It's <laughs> damn movie. <sighs> And he was in Fire and Ice, which we've already talked about in the podcast. So, oh. it's a returning character. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about some of the effects in this movie? Oh, they're all real good. They are. Yep. The shots of that car when it's on fire. I, I know lighting a car on fire isn't a huge special effects accomplishment, but the way it's shot, it oh, looks God. so fucking cool, man. It's just driving just down so the road. Good. It's just that uh, fucking like just that score behind it as it's just plodding down the road and kind of swerving back and forth. It's so good. It's the funny thing is, I think if you told somebody you were going to make this movie today and you wanted to do practical effects, they would tell you mm, it's not even possible to do it with practical effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way they'd let you. No way. No. And that's going to be the big problem with the remake is everything's going to be done with CG, which is going to be a bummer because, I mean, they wrecked a shit ton of cars and I know that that's very expensive, but man, everything looked really good in this movie. Yeah. I was going to say, I think my, my favorite scene of this movie is always going to be when it corners the fat kid in that little narrow space. And, and the car just starts like pushing its way through it, tearing itself apart to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just that moment. We talked he, about he like, feels safe. He's like, I did it. I'm safe. I just got to wait it out. And the car's like, Oh no, no, no. It just starts lunging forward. And it's just like, Oh fuck. The car really has a personality in this movie, which is again, I think just a tribute to the filmmaker because I haven't read the short story, but I assume in the story, king gives it that personality but to translate that to film is very very difficult we talked about how like steven spielberg did a good job of giving vehicles personality and duel but he's steven's fucking spielberg john carpenter does just as good a job here and Mm -hmm. 
it's like again, it's it's an objectively ridiculous concept that this car is one of the characters in this movie, and it has its own personality and its own like motivations and reasons for its actions. But it mm-hmm. really feels that way when you watch the movie. Uh, the interesting thing, the big difference between the book and the uh, movie. Uh, in the book, it is hinted at that the car is actually possessed by the previous owner. Um, okay. I don't remember. It's been like I was like in high school when I read it. But so I don't know if they ever confirm like if it's strictly possessed by it or again if the car is so evil that it kind of absorbs everybody but there are scenes where arnie's driving or he's dreaming about driving or whichever and he looks over and like the sort of decaying corpse of the previous owners like in the passenger seat sort of egging him on okay so i think from what i from what i remember they they strongly imply that he loved the car so much that he ended up possessing it after he died and maybe through yeah, i kind of like that idea though yeah and maybe him through him loving it so much it imbued it with some sort of um sentience because i think his like his daughter did die in the car and stuff too and i don't remember if they comment on if they thought the car was responsible or whatever uh, but John Carpenter makes it that the car was essentially born evil. Like it's already evil as it's coming down the assembly line. Yes, it is, it is literally bad to the bone. They played the music yeah. for you and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, there's pros and cons to each way it goes, but I think the way John Carpenter did it makes the most sense for that movie. It may not work for yeah. like a different oh. version, but. Although you're the the director you're talking about that's remaking it, that kind yeah, of leads into his yeah leans into his idea of there's a homoerotic tint to it maybe yeah yeah it'd be interesting to see when it comes out yeah for me watching the car reform itself after it's been destroyed like yeah. all that stuff is just amazing it's I can't believe I remember watching like a little like documentary about how they did it and stuff and some of the things were just mm really cool how they were like pulling the metal in using these like suction cups so it wouldn't crack and stuff and then Mm -hmm. releasing it back out and doing it in slow motion and all this shit and they're just like it looks so fucking cool and I don't know how they pulled it off like yeah yeah I think they built one of them with like hydraulics inside of it that would pull the car in side to side and then they shot it with the camera upside down because then if you played the film back and like then if you put the film in upside down or something it went in reverse and it looked beautiful and it was i don't know apparently filming it upside down and then reversing it somehow makes it look better than just shooting it normally and then reversing it so yeah all right something that uh, much smarter people than me know how to do and apparently he really knew how to do it because all that stuff looks flawless yeah it really holds up to this day like just you're watching it on like you know much better quality than you would have expected to see it like most people would have seen this on a vhs tape back in the day so the fact that it holds up as well as it does is kind of fascinating yeah any other i was gonna say 
I was going to say the acting's all good. Although mm-hmm. I think the girlfriend character is a little bit of a wet blanket. I don't. <laughs> She's doesn't doesn't she it's, seem it's a little weird. bland? A little bit, yeah. You just magically put out. But it's like she's bland, but she's also like, like she's plot convenient. Like she's all these guys want to be with her, but then all of a sudden she's just like, oh, I'll totally be with Arnie. And you're like, oh, okay. So she's just like horning it up for the fancy car and the cool outfits and stuff that he's got now. But then at the end, she's like, no, no, I really care about him. And she's willing to go fight the car with the, with the best friend and stuff. And you're like, oh, okay. Like she's just whatever she needs to be in the moment. I think there's Mm -hmm. a bit of that. I think that, if we're going to talk about the acting and the characters, though, the the two boys like uh, Arnie and whatever the his his friend, right? I mm-hmm. really liked their friendship. I thought that really really worked well. Mm-hmm. I thought like that's that was like it, they really felt like they were two like guys that were like in high school and were very very different, but had been friends for so long that to them it didn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if you, if you ever had friends like that where you're like, okay, so you're on the football team and you're like the nerdy kid, but, but you guys, you know, grew up beside each other or whatever. So you are still just friends from childhood and it doesn't matter to you that you're in different social groups and different cliques and all that. The two of you are still just good yeah. buddies and it felt that way. And that's like, it's a hard thing to pull off to make characters feel like they have a history like that. Well, he's not. Arnie's like constant hero. Like, I mean, there's certain situations where he does step in, but you don't imagine him just running around the school being like, stop making fun of my friend or whatever. They just are kind of both like, well, this is just sort of the roles that we've fallen into. And obviously if stuff gets dangerous, like fucking a 50 year old guy pulling the switchblade on you, then obviously I'll step in and, you know, not let that happen to you. But he's not, like, constantly, like, trying to be, like, his uh, his savior or whatever just during a normal day of school. No, it, sort, of, sort of like he became an older brother, even though they're the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, he just sort of takes on that natural role because he's yeah. the bigger, stronger one. And I, I kind of liked the way their relationship developed as already got, like, air quotes, cooler as he was dealing with Christine more, mm. they sort of became sort of equals. And eventually Arnie was kind of talking down to him. And it was like, like you could see that change. And I thought that was quite well done. Mm. You could argue that the, in the opening scenes, um, they're trying to make Arnie look nerdy. They kind of go a little overboard. It's almost like the nerds from saved <laughs> by the bell kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see that. <laughs> they didn't bother me but it is it is a bit silly on its own if you just watch like you see him like trying to he tries to carry a garbage bag and it rips and then he tries to walk to the car but he doesn't know to go around puddles like it's, like, it's a little over it's, the top it's big bang nerd blackface before that existed <laughs> nerd blackface oh yeah <laughs> fair enough yeah he yeah. reminds me of uh, Doofy from the scary movie, the first one, the scary, the scary movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> like it's wrong. so, so over the top of those specifically, like with the trash bag and stuff, like yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to have like a fucking unkempt police uniform on and trying to salute people and stuff. And then, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> well, he does. He has the same little transformation too. Arnie's is a little more gradual. Doofy does it all in no. that, uh, Guys are so zay ending. <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> you, you don't you see we're finding new connections between movies <laughs> nobody thought to compare christine to scary movie <laughs> um any favorite deaths obviously we talked about moochie already uh it blowing up the gas station's pretty rad yeah yeah that's that's probably the one for me it's that I like it when things get again this is a carpenter thing where it's like okay so now the car is blowing up gas stations it's like that's ridiculous but it still fucking works in this movie because carpenter's good at making ridiculous things seem like they're actually happening <laughs> when when I saw it as a young person for some reason the death that really got to me is the owner of the shop whenever he gets mm-hmm. in and the seat just like suffocates him against the steering wheel. Yeah. I don't this, know why, but whenever I was a kid, that was the scariest one. Still creeps me out because uh, it's, I don't know. I, it's not like I think it could really happen, <laughs> but I mean, it's not like the car, it's not like the scenes where the car's driving by itself. Like he, he's just sitting there and then it's just click, 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 click. And we've heard that click on like old cars and stuff that, that it does sort of make that sound. So then you put this weird association together and it's just like, Oh fuck. It just pushed him right into the steering wheel and fucking broke his chest. Like that's fucked up. I think, and maybe that one gets to you too. Cause he's one of the few characters that like kind of doesn't deserve it. That gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the book, he's a, he's a much more horrible character. Yeah. He uh, so he hires Arnie in the movie a little bit to like clean up around the the shop and then make some deliveries for him. In the book, the quote unquote deliveries are he's a drug runner, so he's having Arnie like take take <sighs> drugs across state lines to other cities and stuff to drop him off. No, well that's no good. All right, so that's no that's a little darker. Yeah, much darker. Um, how do we feel how do we feel about the soundtrack to this movie. It's fun. Yeah, it's good. I, was, I I find that I find the intro was an interesting idea to just have it the engine revving through the whole opening mm-hmm. credits. Yeah, uh, I do enjoy the the car that talks through song sort of scenario. Yeah, kind of like that transformer, whichever one that is. Oh yeah, Bumblebee in the original live action movie. Ugh, terrible. <laughs> But I do like that it only it only talks through like fifty songs. So like the bullies are like trying to bang up the car and it starts playing. You're knocking, but you can't come in and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that element of it quite a bit actually. Um, I thought it was just it added a a little bit of lightness to those scenes when you're watching the car get beat up. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Anything else? I don't know. This one's this one's harder to talk about because it's such a solid fill. It's just good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's is solid direction. And unfortunately, like Carpenter for a long time wasn't too big on the film. He just considered it one of his like work for hires, so he didn't really have a solid connection. Yeah, apparently over the last couple years he's come around and he sees it. Is a much more higher quality movie that he worked on than he has in the past. Well, I mean, it, it's not something that he wrote like and directed mm-hmm. from his own ideas. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's more of a, Hey, Hey, can you take care of this kind of thing? And he did an excellent job. There's no criticizing it really, but it, I can understand why as, as an artist, quote unquote, that you would 
not have the same connection to this as you would to your own movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you had mentioned online that um, it seems like him and Stephen King would be a much more uh, better fit that he would end up doing a lot more King adaptations. It it seems perfect, like especially with 80s style filmmaking, which is when, you know, so many King adaptations were made. Yeah. I'm surprised Carpenter didn't get off. Maybe he did get offered a lot more. I don't know, yeah. obviously, but... Like, could you imagine what, like, if he took Maximum Overdrive and he did it, it wouldn't be funny. It would be a deadpan serious movie about trucks attacking people, and it would be, that might be kind of awesome, right? Like, based on what we see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you probably don't get pop cans hitting guys in nut sacks, but you would get <laughs> a, a, a whole different movie that would be also great. I mean, uh, or he totally takes it in, like, the irreverent direction of, like, uh, big trouble little china and then you do get soda machines shooting people in dick maybe <laughs> and it's and it's still great well that is the thing yeah. i mean carpenter can make different types of movies there's no denying that mm-hmm. um yeah i think i'd mentioned before he was he was uh, offered firestarter and was going to do it and then the thing bombed, so they rescinded their offer. I, it's that is such so. a crime against film. Every time I hear mm-hmm. it, right? It, it, nothing makes any sense in Hollywood. It just doesn't. I don't like. You know what I mean? No. Like yes, okay. Now you can kind of trust that. Like Disney will now be able to put out blockbusters and do well. But a movie like The Thing not doing well makes no fucking sense. Like <laughs> no. it just doesn't. It's no, and that's the majority. I think that's why you. He's so angry at filmmaking for a long time. It's because everybody keeps bringing up like, oh, my God, your run in the 80s was amazing. Like, just like movie, like, you know, great movie after great movie. And he's like, yeah, they all bombed. So I didn't make any goddamn yeah, I, money. I, I, it makes no fucking sense to me. I don't understand it like, at no. all. Neither. Like, I'm just imagining if I could go back in time and just live through like his his movies being released in the theaters again, like for the first time. Yeah. And I feel like that would just be amazing. It's a bummer. Thanks for calling the midnight drive-in. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the midnight drive-in on Twitter at MN drive-in pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the midnight drive-in at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, so we have some feedback. Uh, we got some about mid-October, but we decided, you know, let's hold on to it until we have a bunch of feedback. And then we can read it all yep. at once, because we definitely... Didn't forget to keep doing it. Yeah, we uh, didn't just not check the email for a long time. We <laughs> did this on purpose. Uh, our good buddy Kent sent us one and it said, Hey, all, with the Halloween season upon us, I wanted to revisit that cl- classic monster tune Cash Money Monsters by the Canadian sketch group and Doug's personal BFFs, Picnic Face. And he included a, <laughs> a link to this song. Uh, so everybody, oh, I will check up, that out. Everybody, look up Cash Money Monsters on YouTube. Uh, he says, "I enjoyed your review of Alligator and Alligator Two, but I always need to highlight a movie starring the incomparable and inebriated Steve Railsback, who played Vinny. 
Maybe someday you'll do a Rails back double feature. Cough. Private Wars and Escape 2000. Cough. Just a thought. Happy haunting, Kent. I, I don't see why we shouldn't do that show idea. We always well, take know either of those films. Show put them on the list. <laughs> Speaking somebody of. put them on the list. Or somebody uh, put up a link to that YouTube clip into the Facebook page and we're good to go. Oof. Speaking of doing stuff from the list, our good friend Tracy left us a comment <laughs> on the website, which we never check, ever. Um, I just, <laughs> we probably should, I guess. I just happened to notice it while I was posting an episode. Tracy says, hi, just leaving Doug a feedback on seizure as no one else watched it. <laughs> I, I agree with him that it was a strange movie, disjointed, but with enjoyable and watchable moments. I feel that the viewer is inside his nightmare and he ended up dying from fright. Uh, loved the group fight with the fellow from Fantasy Island. Um, and then she says, great podcast. I enjoy listening, except when you talk about wrestling. My uncle used to watch the <laughs> British version in the 70s with Big Daddy and Giant Haystack when visiting. So I grew tired of it at an early age. Goodbye for now. Tracy Ann from Cornwall, UK. P.S. Are you you are ignoring my list? Smiley face. She sent us a while back that huge list, and we promised to do all of the movies on her list. Remember? Yeah, yeah, we haven't done we a single done, one. Yeah, we should probably at least do some. It's it's moments like this that I'm sad that we don't have a morning show esque soundboard that I could just slap. Yeah, because it would be so great to just throw in a John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sure she totally gets that. She watches current wrestling. <laughs> uh, and then earlier today, our good friend Brian with an I says, Hey guys, it's been a while since I sent some feedback and I've got a bunch to say. So I'll be brief. One, I saw Willie's Wonderland. Absolutely fantastic. And the best Mortal Kombat movie I've seen all year. It's <laughs> reasonable. Two, just started Midnight Mass. Haven't seen anything else. Mike Flanagan is done yet, but I'm really liking this and look forward to seeing the rest of his work. Which, I uh, recommend all of it, basically. Yeah. Me and Doug are big recommends on that. Yeah, the only thing I haven't recommended yet is Dr. Sleep, because I can't find that stupid director's cut. <laughs> I guess I could pay for it, but... Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, number three, the wife and I are almost through the IT crowd. I think you guys yeah. mentioned it before. Hands down, the funniest show we've ever seen. Any more recommendations like this would be greatly appreciated. I know you mentioned Space, so this is definitely on our list. Space is fantastic. The IT yeah, crowd, we did I, Space. I have, we talked about it like four weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time trying to find a show with the same like humor and and timing and dryness of the IT crowd and I've yet to ever find one. I think it's I think it was just a magical concoction of all those actors together. Yeah. I mean maybe what we do in the shadows kind of has some of the same humor beats. Mhm. Well, that'll tie into uh, his number 4. A couple of weeks back you mentioned the use of the word fuck and how it can be used in shows. Well, not to correct you, but season three, episode one of What We Do in the Shadows, after the proposal of running the Vampire Council, one Laszlo Cravensworth states, I didn't become a vampire to rule. I became a vampire to suck blood and fuck for all eternity. So that's that. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. 
I believe uh, <laughs> it's, it's in response to my that you can say the word fuck, but it can't be used as a verb, I think. So I believe that is correct. Yeah. Point taken. So that's that's great that we're getting nitpicked at that level, though. I appreciate that. As we <laughs> also, nice reference, movies. but clearly the best use of fuck in that show is fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So good. I'm glad I got picked up for yet another season. Um, all right. What did everybody watch? What's a couple things? Uh, I did find I got to see the first episode of Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's OK. I'm, I'm a little hesitant because obviously they're changing a bunch of stuff, at least the order of stuff from the books. But that's because those books are a billion pages long and there's a lot of them. So if they don't, then this show will be on TV until I die of old age. And by then they'll be out of the first book. But yeah, so it's all right. Uh, and then I watched watch it. I watched the first few episodes of Hit Monkey on Hulu because I was stoked that that finally dropped. And it's it's fucking great. <laughs> they really they really captured the like. The just weirdness and and the humor and the just outrageous violence of that comic book. So that's fucking fantastic. Have you watched any of it yet, Brian? Did I drop out? Can you guys not hear me? Did you guys stop talking? I was I was talking. Could you guys not hear me? I can hear you. you except for when me. I except for when I left to go to the bathroom. Oh. Is Doug still there? Doug? I'm back. I got kicked out of the call somehow. Oh. So oh. so apparently I was just sitting here talking to myself <laughs> for a minute there. Like a crazy person. Yeah, I said BRB. My bladder was suddenly full, so I ran to the bathroom. Came back to Noah being like, huh? Who? What? <laughs> I was I was asking if you had seen any of uh, Hit Monkey yet. I have not. It's it, It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> You need to you need to get on that. Yeah, the trailer looked pretty good. The the animation style they decided to go with is real interesting. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like uh, I don't know how to describe it. Low frame rate, maybe where Mm -hmm. it's not like badly drawn, but it kind of like clips as it moves. Does that make sense? It doesn't like it's not like smooth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to see it. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. It's not it's not super duper like jarring or anything. It's just different. Mm. But yeah, watching watching a monkey in a suit just fucking murder the shit out of people is great. I mean, you know, can't complain about that, I guess. And that's it. I didn't I didn't manage to get out to the theater to see Ghostbusters. So uh, no. sad. Yeah. I'm probably not going to get to see it until. Fuck, I don't I don't know. Never. Next, maybe next. Maybe next weekend. Fuck. Sad. I really want to go see it. Would you watch Dig? Uh, Let's see. I did watch Ghostbusters. Are we going to. We'll talk about it when we get to. Because you watched it too, right, Brian? I sure did. So do we want to save it for after or do we do it now? We can do do a spoilery discussion. Yeah, let's do it spoilery after because. Probably shouldn't listen to what we have to say until we until you've seen it. Yeah. Um, what else did I watch? Other than that, it was just TV for me this week. Um, mm-hmm. I did watch the new season of Tiger King. 
Mm, I haven't um, watched it. Oh, oh yeah, we did. It's um, the new season of Tiger King is proof that you shouldn't take Netflix documentaries too seriously because <laughs> it's literally just a bunch of people admitting that they were lying during the last documentary, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just more exploitation on top of that. Mm. So it's like well, literally like the guys in jail a- and all the people who testified against him are now saying that like yeah, no, we were all lying. So it's. It's interesting to get to the last episode and then just have everybody admit to crimes. Yeah. It's a, it's so I, mean, I, I was so, I was so confused. I was like, did they all, they all just admitted on camera that they committed crimes. Yeah. It's super fucking weird too, because like they admit to crimes. And at one point that like the documentarians like, are like, you know, you're acknowledging that you lied in court and that that's illegal. Right. And they're like, yeah, like they don't care. It's like, well, you, you shouldn't do that unless you're prepared to go back to, to, prepared to go to jail. And they just don't seem to care. It's that one guy is just absolutely fucking, uh, he's nuts. He's going, he's like threatening everybody's life all the time. And it's like, you know, you're on camera, right? You can't threaten police officers and you probably don't want to do it on camera. Oh, well. It'll be fine. Yeah. They did a, so. uh, an interestingly deep dive on the whole Carol Baskin and her husband thing. Mm. Well, you know, it's, it, that's another thing that's super interesting because at the end of the last one, everyone's like, yeah, she definitely killed him 100%. And in this one, they're like, yeah, but it also could have been the family of the 15 year old girlfriend he had in Costa Rica. Maybe they found out about it and didn't really like him sleeping with their 15 year old daughter. Like, yeah, that is another good possibility. Maybe we shouldn't have jumped to conclusions last time. I don't, <laughs> Maybe I don't, it's possible. We don't know. Although there is the whole thing with that guy getting the delivery of guns or whatever. And yeah, he was using the guy's van and I didn't even think about it. And then at the end of the episode, they go, oh, by the way, that van, that's the van that was found at the airport. And you're like, wait, wait, no, what? (laughs) (laughs) None of that. None of that makes sense now. Go back. (laughs) Why didn't you start with that? Yeah. I'm interested to check it out. I don't know. Uh, like, <laughs> I think I'm going to be taking it with a lot less grain of salt than I did the first one. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, some of it is just, um, it, like I say, it's just exploitation. It's just finding these people and being like, hey, has been on, did being on Tiger King fuck up your life? Because you're a dumb person who can't handle having money and fame. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it did. I was like, okay, good. really i felt i felt like it was the exact opposite i felt like everybody was like yeah we were on this show and we went through all that miserable shit but you know now we all make appearances and make money and people like us (laughs) you know yeah people laugh at us for a living now point and giggle i was gonna say except for carol baskin who's like people call me every day telling me i murdered my husband it's like yeah but you did There is there is one thing, and this is a minor spoiler for you, Brian, but the one thing that I found fantastic when that guy's like, yeah, so I'm going to create a, a zoo and a strip club on the same property so like tigers can come in and sit with the guys at the strip club. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a genius idea. I mean, it's going to it's it. There's no way that somebody doesn't end up getting bit by a tiger and everything doesn't go wrong. Yeah, but I want to see it happen. 
so bad. Make that make that the reality show. Get that guy a reality series where he creates that business and sets it up, and then the, on the second day open, the tiger fight it and eats a stripper and everything goes wrong. Because there's a bunch of drunk dudes who are horned up playing with tigers. Bit me oh. in my dick. I want that to happen in the worst kind of way. If anybody knows where there's a zoo with a strip club in it, I will. I'll make that drive. I don't care. <laughs> I want to see that. I just, it's one of those like I need to know kind of things. Oh, um, Lord. Anyways, is that enough analysis of Tiger King? Do we need to get more in detail? <laughs> Stupid shit. I've been in a cage all this time and now I know what them tigers felt like. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did they talk about him having uh, prostate cancer? No. No. Oh, that didn't come up. No. Well, he's got prostate cancer now, supposedly. And it's funny that, sure. like, COVID and all that came up and they didn't mention the fact that he had had COVID while he was in prison, too. Because mm. ah. he's like a side character now in this because he's just stuck in prison. Now it's about all these wacky people that are trying to get him out and these lawyers who are taking advantage of them and mm. stuff. Yeah. Well, he's he's claiming he has prostate cancer and uh, which, I don't know. He probably does. But um, so he's trying to get the judge to let him out because, you know, sometimes if someone's real sick, they'll let him out just to kind of live their final month or whatever before they die. Um, but my wife works at a cancer center and she started laughing when I told her and she's like, prostate's the like slowest cancer on the planet. Well, she's like, it's the, like every, we all, the doctors at our firm always say, if you have prostate cancer, something else is going to kill you before you die of prostate cancer. Like it's like the easiest treatable cancer or whatever. Like, well, it's not. Yeah. It's not even that it's easy to treat. It's that they figured out it develops so slow. It's yeah. almost better just to give you medicine that mitigates the symptoms and let the cancer grow. Because yeah. if they put you on the stuff to kill the cancer, it's going to make you sicker than the cancer will make you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, she's basically just yeah, just saying it's. Prostate cancer is not like an enormous deal. It's still not great, but again, you will die of something else before <laughs> prostate cancer kills you. And I was like, well, of course, but he's just using anything to be like, no, I need to be let out. I'm sick. <laughs> sick. I need to go home. You would too. I can't blame him for that. No, but I'm just like, oh, that's more Joe exotic shenanigans right there. Yeah. Well, it's like half this, this second season of Tiger King is just him talking about how he shouldn't be in jail because other people did stuff wrong too and it's like I, at some point somebody's got to sit down with them and go but but you did the thing like regardless of other people might have set you up other people maybe committed crimes as well you you did the mm-hmm. thing you did the thing where you yeah. gave somebody money and said please go kill somebody in exchange for this money it doesn't matter then they're like well that guy was never really going to kill her yeah but you thought he was when you gave him the money. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it doesn't. Well, yeah, but the you, fact you that they the thing. they went out of their way to talk him into doing it, then they they gave him the money to give to the guy that they set up to be the guy. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's entrapment. It's it's sure. as much of entrapment as anything's ever been. But 
what I was telling somebody the other day, let's, let's say tomorrow they overturn the murder conviction, which, which maybe they will. Cause I mean, it does kind of seem like it's bullshit, right? But uh, the cruelty to animals charges all stick. He stays in prison. Like <laughs> none of that changes the fact that he was treating animals badly. Yeah. Well, and he, and he didn't even really get charged with crimes for the fact that he like ran a zoo that clearly wasn't like safe for the employees and stuff either. Right. Right. He was still, he was feeding humans bad meat and letting them get eaten by tigers as well. Don't forget that. <laughs> like, <laughs> There was a person who lost like a, an arm in the last series, and uh, that was just okay. That, but that part didn't even get him charged with anything. <laughs> God, yeah, I'm gonna have to catch up. Yeah, that's good. So we can talk about it again next week. That's important. <laughs> uh, speaking of fucked up shit, you want to know the other docu series I watched? Sure. It was the Confession Killer, which is about Henry Lee Lucas. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I I guess I didn't know as much about that story as I thought I did. Like I knew the general like guy gets arrested, ends up admitting to hundreds of murders. Turns out he probably didn't do most of them. Like I knew that much of it, right? I I didn't realize how bad it was. Like how certain other police departments were coming to them saying like you can't you can't believe what this guy says. Like he's admitting to crimes that he didn't commit. Like at one point, the doubt, the Dallas police department was like, I think this guy's lying. So they made up a murder that didn't happen and they brought it to him and were like, do you know anything about this one? And he fully admitted to it. Like <laughs> sort of giving them all these details and they're like, yeah, so you really, we're just going to not take anything he says seriously anymore. And, other police departments just kept closing cases based on nothing more than his confession. And then there's like, there's literally like a a DA that gets involved and he does the same thing where he's like, you can't, we can prove that it wasn't him. And they're like, yeah, we're still going to, and it it got so bad that George W. Bush ended up like making sure this guy didn't get killed because (laughs) he's like, yeah, there's a lot of questions about whether he committed this crime or not that he's been sent to death row for. And it, it's it's real bad when you when you when you see it. And there's these reporters who are like, well, here we have his like time card showing he was at work until like, you know, nine o'clock at night and they have him committing a murder the next morning, you know, a thousand miles away. It's like that doesn't make a lot of sense. if These are random killings that he's like, why? You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so the, there's it's. It's way worse than I thought it was, I guess. I knew that there might have been some overzealous cops that were closing cases that they shouldn't have been with, you know. I always assumed it was the old logic of people think you won't confess to a crime you didn't commit. I was going to say, overzealous is being kind. Yeah, I I think I was... Because there's a few cops that were like, hey, I can check a whole bunch of boxes with this dude. Let's go check them boxes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and there was... And, uh, and at least a few cases that they talk about where it's like the family is coming forward going we don't believe this guy and the cops are like too fucking bad we're closing our case and it's mm-hmm. like oh like yeah I, I, I guess I just I always assumed it was a crazy guy confessing to crimes he didn't commit and cops just thinking they got lucky not realizing how much it's cops 
actively seeking out ways to close files without actually finding the proper murderer. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not about finding the right people. It's just making sure those those uh, murders get off your desk. It is. It's like I don't know if you guys if you guys watched The Wire. No. There's there's a whole season about that where it's all like it's just guys trying to improve their stats by closing cases and stuff, but it's all stats based. It's got nothing to do with actually solving crimes. And it, you see, I remember when I watching that thinking like, Oh, I hope it's not like that in police departments because I know it's like that in a lot of other businesses where it's like, Oh, head office wants us to, you know, improve this stat. So, you know, even if we're not actually making more profit, if that's the stat they're measuring this week, that's the one we're going to do. Right. And unfortunately, when you start measuring police by whether they close cases, they find ways to close cases, regardless of whether it's actually solving the crime. Yeah. In, in Canada, so, are your uh, district attorneys and state's attorneys and all those people elected? No. Because that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, well, they are here. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. And the, the elected sheriff's thing is the one I cannot get my head around. Uh and elected judges, I cannot get my head around you guys doing that. Like, it's just uh, democracy. Like the idea that you would nothing bad has you, ever happened with an elected judge. Just look at the Kyle Rittenhouse case. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know. That's, that's messed up. I can't comprehend how you would how you would elect sheriffs. That one blows my mind. I'm like, what? But he's there to enforce the law. Shouldn't that just be a guy with no agenda except enforcing the law? Not a guy who's like going to choose which laws to enforce based on what he thinks is going to get him elected. Don't talk sense. America. (laughs) America. Fuck yeah. There's a whole thing in this uh, docuseries too about how like, like the district attorney from one area is like goes after the I think it's the Texas Rangers and now he and then he's convinced that like the Texas Rangers like had him set up and arrested because he was accused of all these crimes and then he eventually got off but it like really screwed up his political career and he thinks they killed his dog and all this and obviously I don't know who killed his dog but it's like the fact that these like different law enforcement agencies have rivalries with each other and that they believe this about each other is fascinating. It's like, aren't you guys on the same team? No. All right. They're on their own team. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Pretty fucked, pretty up. fucked up story. <laughs> fucked up it's like at, the, at the end of the day, like that Henry Lee Lucas thing, I'm like, I don't know if you can say with any certainty that he actually killed anybody, but after getting arrested, he did spend the rest of his life in jail. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking specifically the one he was originally convicted for did seem like he did it. It was just all the subsequent ones he confessed to. It, I agree. It seems like it, but a lot of what makes it seem like it is the fact that he ended up confessing. And he's obviously not reliable. So, yeah, I, don't know. I was going to say there's I've different people. Who... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I've listened to a bunch of podcasts about it and stuff, and they were talking about the fact that, well, when they're like, well, why would he have confessed? And then you find out they were like buying him steak dinners and, you know, he gets out yeah. of prison for the day to go 
take him to where he killed the quote fingers where he killed the person. And it's like, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, if I was stuck in prison for life and I knew I was never getting out, I'd do the same fucking thing. You get a steak dinner and you get out for the day. Yeah. Oh, and they, they show it a lot in this docuseries is like the, I forget the, the task force that was like holding him would tell other police departments. So if you want him to cooperate, bring him like a, a carton of smokes when you go. And so they just would all just show up with smokes for the guy. And like, you know how much smokes are worth in prison, right? So they're just like showing up with cartons of smokes for him. And then they're like, did you kill this one? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Whatever. Like at some point, if you're in life, you're in jail for life, you're in jail for life, right? What difference does it make? So we do have, and then uh, he starts re- recanting. And it's like, whatever. <laughs> we do have two Henry Lee Lucas movies on the list. Yeah, yeah. We have two Henry Lee I Lucas. Think those movies. are more based on. Uh, I think those are more based on uh, things he confessed to than things he actually did. That's just my guess. Uh-huh. We'll see how accurate they are. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Uh, the last thing, just right before we, uh, right before we recorded tonight, I watched all of the new Masters of the Universe series. Mm. Part two was it. released. It was released, I think, like earlier today, and <laughs> and I decided, oh, I'll watch an episode, and I watched all well, of it. You watched so, all of it. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's my review of it. I was trying to watch an episode and I watched all of it. That tells you how much I enjoyed it. We get full on Mark Hamill Skeletor now. Just like, and it's, it's, it's what you wanted it to be when Mark Hamill's voicing Skeletor. Like now mm-hmm. that we actually get it. So it's really good. The, I won't get into the plot cause I know you're going to want to watch it, Brian, but it is, it takes some twists and turns that you will not see coming. Um, they it, kill He-Man off like four more times because <laughs> that was a lot of people's complaints about the last one. I'm like, they just, just, let they him, just keep killing He-Man off. Let him tell his story. This is part one. Let him get to part two. Yeah. It. I will say it opens with a significant plot twist that changes everything, mm-hmm. and it, um, it goes from there. Yeah, I don't think you'll predict where it ends up. Or maybe even if you can kind of predict where it ends up, you won't predict how it gets there. Ram Man finally shows up. Have secretly been lovers the entire time. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Noah. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it in more detail after you've seen it, Brian, because I know you don't want it spoiled for you. Yeah, I did hear Kevin Smith say that Ram (laughs) Ram Man was going to be in part two, so. I am pretty excited yeah. for that. I don't know why. It's, it's not, I don't know why I'm excited that Ram Man's going to be a part of it, but I just am. Because he was the only action figure made out of metal. <laughs> Ours wasn't made of metal. Ours was plastic. Uh, I thought he had metal in him. Or maybe yeah. it just, was just part of a metal. Was it, was it the shiny chrome spray paint, maybe? Who knows? For a long time. I'll go over to my parents' house and see if there's still one in the basement. <laughs> Let you guys know. <laughs> Yeah, I just remember you pushed him down and then you had a little button on his heel and you'd push it and he'd jump. Yeah. yeah. And I would always try to aim him and make him shoot him at my sister and see if he would hit her. I'll <laughs> oh, see so you better. I would just pick him up and throw him on my brother. So 
Oh, that's that was my brother. Yeah, we would just start throwing <laughs> shit at each other when we fought. What? I just pushed the button. He jumped and hit him right in the face. I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, uh, the 80s when brothers right? could just beat the shit out of each other by throwing yeah. toys at them parents would just be like if he starts bleeding you're cleaning it up yeah or they'd just be like I don't care go outside just do it outside yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're at each other or not yeah. uh, anything else uh, no, just Ghostbusters. So yeah. Uh, well, today I went and checked out uh, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City, which okay. is the new rebooted Resident Evil movie. It is rebooted. Eh? I wasn't sure if it was like rebooted or yeah. if it was like a prequel. No, okay. this is. Uh, it looks like they're making a genuine attempt to like follow yeah. the actual story of the video games. Which is correct. This is way closer to the stories from the video games than the original version was. Um, is it more horror oriented too? Or is it, it is. It's much, it's more way more horror than a hyper action movie like those turned out to be. Okay. So yeah, so we get some backstory between. Claire and Chris Redfield, whatever the characters' names are. Unfortunately, I did not play a lot of the Resident Evil games. And the couple that I did play, I have zero memory of. Um, but one of them had left town. The other one's stay there and works on the police department. And then, you know, of course, the, his Claire comes back to town just as the Umbrella Corporation is about to shut everything down and move to a new location because they're moving their headquarters or whatever, whatever plot-driven device <laughs> that they're making up for this town to be sort of decimated. Yeah. Um, and, of course, something goes wrong, and turns out there's a giant infection in town. People start turning into infected zombie types. Um, and for some reason... Like, the entire police force is not. And also the people who work for the Umbrella Corporation are not. And I wonder what, why that could be. Uh, so they sort of go, and like, we have to uncover whatever this is. Turns out, this is pretty early on in the movie, there is a ticking clock. And somebody explains to them the entire town's going to be destroyed by 6 a.m. So they have to find all these secrets and get the fuck out of town before shit goes down. And... You know, creepy shit starts happening. Uh, half the team does go and have to go up to the Spencer Mansion. And I don't know, for whatever plot reasons, they have to go up there and find out what's going on. And then the other half is stuck at the police station where suddenly the town's starting to go crazy. And people are trying to infiltrate the police station, even though they have a minimal crew since, you know, everything was closing down. Uh, for the most part, I enjoyed it. There is a lot of exposition that goes on in this movie. Uh, Donald Logue, who's that guy from a bunch of stuff, plays like the the chief at the police department. And when he's telling them they have to go somewhere, they're like, but chief, why? And he's like, well, as you all know, Spencer, so-and-so. <laughs> and then lays out like the, the, all these reasonings. 
And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's cheesy as hell, but it's kind of like, all right, whatever. And then zombies start showing up and people get shot and, you know, hijinks ensue. Uh, For the most part, I I really enjoyed it. It's just kind of cheesy. Like I said, a little exposition-y. But if you're looking for a much more horror-related thing than the last version we got... um, I would say give it a watch. Okay, that's see, that's interesting because that's I was excited for the last ones originally, like mm-hmm. back when they were new and I didn't know what I was getting, and I remember being disappointed because yeah. they weren't more horror oriented. Mm-hmm. I went with a friend of mine, and he was way more into the Resident Evil games, and uh, they would mention someone's name, and he would he'd be like, "Yes." So. I'm assuming most most of the characters in this are from the video game, so yeah, so it's worth checking out if you're into the Resident Evil stuff. More horror, more lots lots more people walking down dark hallways and scary shit happening than it is, you know, fucking Mila Jovovich ramping a motorcycle over a crowd of zombies. All right, we might give it a watch then. We'll see. I also might just. Forget all about it and never see it. Also, one or the other, though. <laughs> they do set it up for a sequel, so maybe we'll get more. I did see someone post online, though, that's like, this movie had a $40 million budget. Looked more like $5 million. And I can't argue with that. Some of the special effects are a little lacking, and I'm just like, oof. They maybe could have done another CG really? pass over that, but... Some of the uh, practical effects are pretty good. Yeah. We'll see. If it's yeah. a decent movie, I, I won't usually get too caught up in the, those types of details. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's, I mean, they encounter, the you know, one of those liquor zombie, whatever you want to call it. Things with, the, like, the giant tongues and their head looks like a brain for whatever is. Yeah, they're liquors. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, I feel like the CG was pretty but I don't know if someone involved with the film told me well I mean yeah but we were trying to model it closer to the thing from the video game I'd be like alright sure whatever just have to assume it's true yeah I just like, yeah sure I'll take that as an excuse I guess but you know yeah it's, it's I would say worth a watch if you're into Resident Evil stuff I enjoyed it I I'm not super into it, but I checked it out anyway. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, 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 Boneyard, Chopper Chicks, and Zombie Town. All right. All right. That's like an OG one that's been on the list since we started. <laughs> well, it's one that I've actually tried to do three or four times, and then somebody goes, well, I'm not really in the mood. And I'll be like, fine, we'll do this other one. <laughs> Well, it is the Christmas season, Noah, so... Tis the season for giving. And I'm giving you Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town. <laughs> Fucking trauma. Uh, all right, Doug, do you want to talk some Ghostbusters Afterlife? All right. I'm going to hop sure. off here for this, guys, because I am going to oh. go see it in a couple weeks. But you don't mind spoilers, you always say. I, d- I normally don't. But since this one, I haven't really actually seen any of the trailers or anything. I might as well try to open it up. All right. Night, gentlemen.
Well, enjoy your cruise. Later. Bye. He's totally going to get lost at sea. Yeah, it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> All right. So, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right. Uh, I don't know. Should we run it down? To, to, I don't know how to handle it, I, I guess. guess. I guess, yeah, let's run it down like we're doing a typical discussion. Let's see how it goes. All right. Uh, so we find out Egon Spangler had a daughter. And after his untimely passing away, which we sort of see at the beginning of the movie, um, they inherit this house. Turns out they're in deep debt and don't have anywhere to go. So they're like, fuck it, let's go to this. Rundown farmhouse, see what we can extract from it to possibly make some money. And for some reason, while they're there, she decides, well, Phoebe, which is the granddaughter, you like school so much and it's summertime, so you should probably go to summer school. And she's like, okay. And that's where she meets her friend. That plot point was a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. And there she meets her new friend, Podcast, and her new teacher, played by Paul Rudd. I don't remember his name. It's like Gruber, Gruberson, something. It doesn't matter. Gary Gruberson or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells them, oh man, ghosts used to be a thing, but everybody forgot for some reason. And people are like, what are you talking about? So then he shows all these kids like what are scenes from the original Ghostbusters, but have now been (laughs) graphicked up to look like news footage. From the 80s. I, I like that element of it when he's showing the kids clips of that, but treating it like he's showing them real news clips. I yeah. enjoyed the hell out of that. It's a good way to insert those old clips. I, I posted a, a meme today that said, like, Paul Rudd's character is like, yeah, there used to be ghosts. And people are like, what? He's like, here, let me show you. And then he pulls up YouTube and is like, the students sit confused. As they watch a clip of a young child in a wheelchair fall over a cliff as an alien watches. And I was like, oh my god, I want that to be so true. Uh, So, turns out there is something going on. And that Spangler was the only one keeping more ghosts at bay. And apparently if more ghosts show up, it will help bring forward Gozer, who we knew from the first movie. Um, So the kids sort of set out to stop this from happening while, uh, I don't know, becoming friends. And then they have a big showdown with Gozer at the end and the original Ghostbusters show up to help save the day. And everybody learns to love each other a little bit more. (laughs) Don't make it sound quite so corny, even though it is... (laughs) that corny yeah so what were your Uh, initial thoughts did you like it or i loved it um i saw people complaining it's nothing but nostalgia and fan service and i'm like yeah that's kind of what i fucking want out of a ghostbusters movie from that's 30 years after the last one and i feel like i totally got Uh, it i'll tell you my my number one complaint is that there wasn't quite enough nostalgia and fan service <laughs> not enough <laughs> there were el- there were a lot of elements of it and i did enjoy them i lo- first of all let's start with i loved the plot the yeah. idea that egon had like the idea that the ghostbusters sometime after the big incident in new york mm-hmm. had kind of mo- were moving on and egon 
discovered this thing and decided to go become like the guardian of this gate and hold like the evil at bay single handedly mm-hmm. until presumably waiting for like this year when he could he'd be able to stop Gozer. Um, I, I love that idea. Sure. I, I think it suits it suits perfectly that Egon would be the one doing it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, like. Like you can kind of understand yeah. how Ray would never have that level of dedication. Winston was never really that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Bankman is just Bankman. nothing he's going to stay committed to for that period of time. So <laughs> it's a non-issue. Uh, the one complaint uh, I had with that whole scenario is we find out that uh, Egon, the others felt, had a weird breakdown stole a bunch of their shit and just skipped town. But Ray did talk to him multiple times afterwards. And part yeah. of me was like, okay, after, you know, seeing two ginormous, like world ending apocalypses two times in a row. And Egon says a third one is coming. Everybody was just kind of like, nah, you're crazy. And, that, well, didn't, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, I was fine to overlook it. It's a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, because that, that needed to happen in order for the movie to take place. Yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially it. So, yeah, that's all that is. Um, I just so wish yeah, there could have been I, a, better, like a better explanation of why he split. Other than, well, he said the world was coming to an end sometime in the future. And we were like, we don't believe you. I just wish there was something else, some other reason why Egon felt he couldn't trust the other ones to take it seriously. I, just, I don't know what that explanation is, but I just yeah, feel like that, that explanation didn't really fit that well. But that's, you know, a very minor complaint yeah. because literally yeah. one, li- one line of dialogue is what fills all that in. So, yeah, I was, I was easy to overlook it. Yeah, it, it. It's a valid complaint, but it just didn't bug me in the movie because no. There's so much fun to be had in the movie that I guess I just didn't care. Yeah, no, and this I is, liked the this idea. is definitely uh, definitely something I've I thought of afterwards. Like it didn't bother me in the movie. Yeah, I mean, and so on top of the storyline being great, I mm-hmm. like all the dumb shit, like bringing back the Stay Puft Marshmallow Men's, but they're little now and they're so cute. Mm-hmm. Totally worked for me. Like I was, I again mild. I was almost frustrated there wasn't more of that. Where I'm like. <laughs> Okay, we have Stay Puft Marshmallow Men, but what about like why doesn't Slimer show up? Right? You know what I mean? Like it's. I it's kept stupid. waiting. I'm like, where is Slimer? I figured he would have shown up, but they wanted the, to push this Muncher character instead. Yeah, and 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 that worked because it ended up working plot wise. Mm-hmm. Um, made sense. So now I would I wanted more from the original cast too. I'll I'll give no. the filmmakers credit. They did that thing where she calls Ray. Mm-hmm. And that's how they have. He has that cameo scene where he's just expositioning, totally. and you're like, they did a really good job of tricking me. And I'm like, holy shit, that's it. That's all the original cast is going to get. So then, when they did show up at the end, it was like a legitimate surprise. <laughs> but that having been said, I still wanted more of them. Mm-hmm. So the like, I started thinking about it on like my way home, thinking what what should have happened is they should have had like a little bit more Ray. You could have even had like Winston is the because let's face it of those actors, um, Ernie Hudson's the only one who can still kind of pull off 
a movie like this. The other guys are just kind of old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could have had him show up and be involved in some of the other stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and and then you have he, Ray on the phone a couple of times. He's but the then thank Chuck. Yeah, Winston's Sorry, the one. Winston's the one that could show up, and he doesn't. He doesn't have what everybody else has. Like he literally yeah. joined up just to get paid. Like he's not the scientist. Like Egon was. He's not the believer in the occult stuff, even though he busts ghosts, but he yeah. doesn't have the deep knowledge of the occult stuff like Ray does. And for as much as uh, the you know Bankman just wants to get paid, and that's about it, he is still like a super smart scientist, so he does know his shit. Yeah, he just gets bored very easily and would rather be doing anything else. So you could have yeah. Winston show up and just be like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, but I can show you the little bit that I know about turning on a proton yeah. pack and stuff. Yeah, you could have had you could have had him doing that, and then he could have been part of the story. And then you still could have at the end have Venkman show up for that final fight, mm-hmm. and it would still be your shock moment. Yeah. But I mean, I'm again, I'm doing that thing where I'm like, well, this is what I think they should have done after <laughs> watching the movie and having a chance to second guess everything. Um, this is what I want instead of all these new characters. And the other thing is, I I definitely missed Rick Moranis at the end of the movie. Yeah, when. Paul Rudd is doing his Rick Moranis impression <laughs> after he's been turned into the, into the gatekeeper and he's fucking like he's when he breaks out of the dog and he's all like the clamp that he, he can't figure out what's going on and everything. How great would it have been if Rick Moranis was there and like you had Rick Moranis interacting with Paul Rudd doing his Rick Moranis impression being like, no, I know when I got turned into a dog, I felt the same way. Like that would have been hilarious to watch those two go off each other. And so he's, yeah. he, he was really missed. Um, I wonder if they asked you know, him to be in it. I don't, seems yeah, like, I don't seems, know. It seems like they would have. He says, uh, you know, because the little bit he's been interviewed about why he doesn't really do movies and stuff anymore. A lot of it for like this Ghostbusters stuff, he just says like nobody calls me. So yeah. I think if they called him, he would at least have a conversation about it. But I yeah, it, yeah, because like everything he said about retiring from acting is just you know he retired for personal reasons, and mm-hmm. then he just found he didn't really miss it, so he never kind of went back to it. But yeah. that doesn't mean he wouldn't show up for something like this. And who knows? It could be something as simple as scheduling conflicts. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But with all that having been said, as much as I did want more, I did like most of the new characters. Mm-hmm. Like Paul Rudd is fucking Paul Rudd. He's just yeah, he's he's like almost an American Ryan Reynolds. Like he's just so charming on screen <laughs> that you just like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like you you just you kind of like him no matter what. Um, yeah. Specifically, a and, character like this, they're hiring him to be Paul Rudd. Like yes. he doesn't, he like, doesn't yeah. need any quirky character or something like from Anchorman or something. It's just, oh, nah, no. just, just be Paul Rudd in this. And he's like, oh, all right. Yeah. That's what we need. We need you to be the, the kind of the schlubby version of Paul Rudd that you were for a long time before you got ripped for Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it works. Like I liked that he was, I liked his thing where he's the teacher just so that he can <laughs> study this stuff. He just lets the kids watch horror movies. Uh, I love that. He's like, look, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. We're going to watch Cujo instead. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, and I liked the little kids. Like the, I've, mm-hmm. 
pod, podcast and Egon's granddaughter. Yeah. Um, I like I was, watching those two. At first I was like, oh, podcast. Like, this is going to be an annoying character. And then I ended up loving him by the end. Yeah. And and I, then, the, those two bouncing off each other was good. Yeah. And then Phoebe, I thought was fantastic. I thought she was yeah. the best part of the movie. When she, the first time she goes down in that uh, basement and Egon's ghost is like guiding her around and she's been the one that didn't believe in ghosts because she's too logical and rational. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she concl- she's she's buying into it all. Like I, I, I felt for that kid. I really liked her. Um, mm-hmm. The older teenagers I could have done without quite frankly. Yeah. They, they didn't really had a whole lot. Like I've seen reviews yeah. that it's just like, why is Finn Wolfhard even in this? Oh, that's right, because he was in Stranger Things and they dress up like Ghostbusters. And it's like, yeah, kind fine. Of. I could see that. You could easily age up Phoebe's character a couple of years and then just have her fill both roles, essentially. But yeah, it, like it's fine. I don't know. It, it feels, if he it was feels like he's the there because. Fine. Yeah, it feels like he's there because they need somebody. They need a kid that can drive a car. So they had to invent like a 16 year old character. Yeah. And that's it. Right. That seems like that's why he's there because mm-hmm. most of the other stuff, and there's a couple of funny moments with him and stuff and he's not bad in the movie and the, the girl, I don't know her name that he meets at the restaurant and stuff like she's fine. Like there's a couple of fun moments with them, but it's not, it feels like, again, like I would have maybe take them out that there you go. There's what your Winston character could be the one that shows up. And like the just have him show up for fucking Egon's funeral, and now he these takes the kids for a ride in Ecto One, and they start figuring out how all this other shit works, right? No. And you go from there. Like you could no. just have him then play that that chauffeur role that Finn Wolfhart plays throughout much of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's he's fine. He's just he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like if they were going to tell yeah. you like there's going to be a spinoff of this movie. And it's like, okay, we're going to follow the Phoebe character and her friends. I'd be like, yes, I will watch that movie. Or yeah. we're going to follow Finn Wolfhard and his friends. You'd be like, oh, well, that's pointless. I don't need to, I don't need to watch that. No, I agree. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, overall, like I liked, I guess I, I didn't really love it. And part of it is that I, I wanted more of the older characters, <laughs> but I enjoyed yeah. it. And I was surprised tonally how close they got to the original because when you go back and watch the original we all think it's a kids movie and it's a big slapstick comedy but it really isn't there are some kind of horror moments and there's some adult humor and you know yes it's a comedy film but it's not the kind of over the top comedy we expect now where everybody's making a joke every two minutes mm-hmm. and this wasn't either this had this had uh, like a, a darker atmosphere to it at times yeah. I thought that worked yeah, I feel like Gozer brings a darker atmosphere to it. Like, if they just yeah. made up a new villain or whatever, like, it'd be fine. They could probably still do the darker side of it, I guess. But I just feel like the Gozer stuff is much darker. Like, it's even, like, if you watch Ghostbusters 2, a lot of the complaints are that it's kind of a lighter movie than what the first one was. Yeah, Ghostbusters 2 is like, yeah, we're appealing to the kids that liked Ghostbusters that probably shouldn't have been watching Ghostbusters, but yeah. it was the 80s, so we let them anyway. And they are able to find like a nice balance here where they are marketing yep. a lot more towards children. 
but there is there a darker overtone like the world is going to fucking end so we need to yeah. stop this from happening no like part of why i went to see this the weekend i did on we had of opening release was because i was debating taking my kid to it next weekend and i'm not going to because i don't think a five-year-old should necessarily be seeing this in theaters you know what i mean <laughs> um but it's like that's the thing is it's not a kid's movie and i i'm glad it's not i think it's truer to the original um so i was i was happy about that yeah lots of reviews i see would disagree with you i agree <laughs> with you but there's also this problem when people talk about movies though and this this relates to a lot of stuff in the horror genre is they think if one of the characters is a child that means only children should like the movie right it's yeah. or if like it's the same thing if one of the characters is a girl then that makes it a girl's movie and it's like it's not that's not how it works you can be any age and appreciate a movie with a child character in it you know it's yeah it's, and i feel like this movie hit a nice tone like when the 2016 movie came out which I still have not seen. Uh, as soon as I saw a trailer and Melissa McCarthy made a that's going to leave a mark joke, I was like, well, I'm out. This obviously is not a movie for me. This is not yeah. the Ghostbusters comedy. Like, it's just, it, I feel like the Ghostbusters comedy is a little bit more smarter humor. Yes, it has a blowjob yes. ghost in it, but I feel like the jokes aren't low hanging fruit like. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. And that's, you know, whatever. I okay. like all the, I like all the actresses that are in it. I've watched specific movies because they were in it because I was like, Oh, I like that person, but that's not a ghostbusters movie to me. So I didn't even bother with it. A friend of mine who has two daughters is like, Oh, I'm really excited for it. If not for nothing else, because it will be something that my daughter could feel like she can be a ghostbuster. Because, you know, the women are Ghostbusters in it. To which I replied, yeah, but don't you want to show her a good movie? Yeah, see, here's the thing. Like, that 2016 movie, Mm -hmm. it seems like the whole idea was, oh, look, girl, Ghostbusters, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you got the guy who directs the girls' movies, and you get the actresses that star in the girls' movies, and then we're going to, and it's just, it's in your face, and it's shoving it down your throat. And I don't see how that's a healthy message to me. That's not, that's like, that's saying like, fuck you. We can do it too. That's not a good thing in this movie. You have a girl ghostbuster. Effectively. It's this 12 year old Mm -hmm. girl who does. She's the driving point in much of the plot. She's the one that basically takes over her grandfather's mission and has to help her brother along. Mm -hmm. But we establish her as a smart, you know, character who can figure things out we have her then working with the original ghostbuster to learn how to use the equipment stuff even though the original ghostbusters in ghost form we we have her learning from her grandfather how to how to do things so that she can then be the the driving force that to me is positive because now it's yes she's a girl character but being a girl isn't her defining characteristics her intelligence and her ability to get shit done when everybody else is panicking that's her driving characteristic right yeah yeah so uh, t- to me it's so much better um you know and it's not it's not in your face it's not spitting at people who are you know of a different gender it's just uh, it's just a the character happens to be female and that's great mm-hmm. it didn't didn't yeah. occur to me that 
she was female until I was talking to somebody else about the movie after it. And they're like, Oh, that was interesting the way they handled the gender politics. I'm like, it never thought about it because it wasn't that. And that's the right way to do it. In my opinion. Mm. Yeah. That's me and Amanda got out of the movie and she's like that. This is much more. If you want your daughter to be inspired by a female character, this is the much better way to do it. Yeah. She's a girl, but that plays absolutely nothing into it, but she gets by because she's smart. She's, interested in science she you know likes all this other stuff and nobody's like putting her down for it i mean they do play her off that she's a little socially awkward but i mean she overcomes that like pretty quickly which i think is another like just because you're socially awkward doesn't mean you're not going to find friends sort of message or whatever like you know that's that's actually yeah like you could be awkward just be yourself and everything will work out how it's supposed to and it's just, it's yeah, a much it's better message. It's not, it's not true, but it's a nice message in movies. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, we felt it was a much better message. If you have daughters and you want to be like, see, you can be a ghostbuster too. Like this is a much better representation yeah. than that. Well, 2016 it's, movie. It's the difference between like making a whole movie to try to prove a point and just making a movie oh. that happens to have a positive message in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, you know, it, yeah. I don't know. I came home from the movie and FX has been playing all the Ghostbusters movies and the okay. 2016 one was on. And so I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is. I watched it for five minutes and it was apparently when they go out on their first Ghostbusting mission to like a concert or something. I was okay. just like, this is fucking terrible. The entire five minutes that I watched. I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. I tried. I usually have a movie going because when I'm trying to go to bed at night, I have trouble sleeping. I have a movie that I just I'm kind of watching and I'll watch 15 minutes of it a night or something until it's done. And so I thought that'd be how I'd get through that movie because I'm like, I should see it. So I'll like I'll, I'll use it as my falling asleep movie and then I'll just like and I watched the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of it or something. And then the next day I turned on Netflix and I fast forwarded to the end. So it would get out of my continue watching thing. Cause I was not going <laughs> to sit through the rest of that movie. Uh, it's just, it's, it's atrocious. It's, mm-hmm. and again, I like those actresses and other things. It's, and yeah. I like that director, other things he's done. I don't understand what the problem is exactly. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that, I think the problem is that all they were doing was making like, what if we had girl ghostbusters? And it's like, well, what if you thought of a story first and then worried about <laughs> the gender of your characters? <laughs> How about that? How about if you wrote a script? How about that idea? Cause apparently there's a ton of improv in that movie and uh, not to the extent, to the extent where it ruins the movie, because if you're, if you're overly improving in a film like that, you, you all of a sudden you don't have consistent characters and you don't necessarily have people doing what they need to do. That makes sense. Plot wise, you know, there's, there's gotta be a a right balance. Yeah. Yeah. That whole movie, I don't know everything I've seen of it. It just seems way off. Yeah. Like Leslie Jones. I like Leslie Jones. I think she's hilarious. Having her just play the angry black woman in the movie. I'm just like, you know, that, like you're playing right into the stereotypes of what people think you're going to do. Maybe she should be one of the scientists and have Melissa McCarthy be the one who works for the subway or whatever. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, if you were going to make it a cookie cutter movie, all the, all the choices they make in that movie are cookie cutter. And it's yeah. just like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I have, I have no interest in it. No, but this one's a good movie. Yeah. And I feel like everybody should watch it. Your, uh, your buddies, Tony and Ted, neither one of them liked it. They hated it. Oh, really? I haven't talked to them. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. I listened to their, uh, their review on their new uh, horror etc. Patreon. And they both hated. They have what were their complaints? That's how we'll uh, get listeners here. Is we'll re-say the things that they said on their much yeah. more popular <laughs> podcast. Uh, basically, the things that we said were positives, like that it's just built on nostalgia and fan service. Um, that uh, they uh, they they all they both agreed that Phoebe was the best part of it. Uh, they really liked her. Uh, they didn't like the storyline. Um, I don't know. They had a bunch of like just nitpicks about everything <laughs> about how they're using the same villain as the first movie. They're just doing a bunch yeah. of stuff like, uh, hey, this has, remember they had a fire pole? Well, Egon has a fire pole that goes down into his hidden laboratory or, you know, the, all that the fire. The fire pole is pretty cheesy. I, there's, it's impossible to argue that point. Yeah. Um, again, I guess if you're more into the movie, it's just a fun little callback. If, if you start thinking about it, it's not. I thought the the villain point, though, because I have heard other people say, oh, you're just reusing the same villain. And it's like, yeah, well, it's a sequel that's coming out 30 years later. That not that what you want to do, kind of? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you don't want to have to establish a new villain. You want to be able to do that, in my mind. If it was a sequel that came out two years later, I want the, a new villain. But if it's a sequel that's coming out tons a, a time later like this, I... Uh, I prefer it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I had no problem with it whatsoever. I was excited to see the terror dogs again. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they weren't fans. Kind of <laughs> bummed me out. Um, cool. and then, and then Tony, uh, proceeded to talk about how 2016 was a better representation of ghostbusters than this one was. At which point I almost oh, turned the podcast off and I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incorrect. <laughs> He also called Halloween, Halloween Kills uh, the best of the sequels of all sequels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So fun fact, like him, and I got, I was, I went for a walk one morning, and I just ran into him on the street, and then like a few minutes later, we were arguing because he didn't like antlers, but he did like Halloween Kills, and we're getting mad at each other on the street arguing. <laughs> just, Seems about right. Like, hey, I haven't seen you in months. You want to get angry at each other on this street corner in the middle of the suburbs? <laughs> uh, apparently, he's moving. He's moving out of uh, Kingston. Yes, he is. He is. So. You throw on a party? I don't object to his presence in Not a general so. sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I really love this movie. Uh, people also were complaining about the CGI Harold Ramis. But part, See, of me is, yeah, was... part, of, part of me is just like, we all knew it was coming. I mean, come on. I, I had no idea it was coming. I'll be honest. Really? I was genuinely surprised when it happened. I loved it. It was... Right. I. For me, emotionally, it worked really oh, yeah. well. I think by not having him speak, I think they did. It was a really good idea to have him. It still felt right because I think if he'd spoken, it would have. There's no way that it would sounded right. I don't think that that's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. I, I just I really liked it. Um, oh yeah, I was crying. I was, the movie. I was, yeah, I, like I don't think I'm as positive on the movie as you are. Just 
I'm, I'm saying all the positive things about it, but I, I don't think I'm as positive as you. But that having been said, like that moment, I was right into it. I was very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just had a good time. I had, I thought it was fun. Uh, like we said, nostalgia, yep. fan service. Uh, I liked all that. I know you wanted more, which is perfectly acceptable. Um, I don't know. I don't understand people's complaints, but did you what, have any negatives? Um, I mean, the Finn Wolfhard stuff I thought was yeah tacked on. Uh, you know, Agreed. and like I say, the, there's also like the um, what's her name, the Janine when she shows up. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we're gonna need someone to spew some dialogue here about what's going on. Why not just have a scene where she sits down with the other characters and explains what Egon was up to? Wouldn't that have been easier? And then you get more of the old yeah. cast in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she, one thing about her, and I will say it's true about all of the returning casts. They're all in perfect character, which yeah. is fascinating because, I mean, the one I was worried about was obviously Bill Murray, that he would just be doing this as a favor and kind of call it in but which i I feel like he did but i feel like bill murray's calling it in is still way better than everybody else's i don't see i don't feel like he did follow it when and and maybe it was just me getting emotional seeing them the three of them on screen together with their uniforms Mm -hmm. on and stuff but i felt like the way he was like talking to gozer and like trash talking Mm. uh it felt like vankman to me more so yeah. than even in Ghostbusters 2, he feels like he's calling it in there. Um, this felt more like this is the character from that first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I played the uh, Ghostbusters video game, which was okay. technically Ghostbusters 3 for a long time. All right. Um, and, you know, Bill Murray did the voice for his character in that. And I saw like my friend Wes complain. He's like, it feels like Bill Murray just phoned it in the whole time. I'm like, but I feel like he does a good representation of Vankman though, because Vankman, his personality was always, yeah, I'm here fighting ghosts, but I'd pretty much rather be anywhere else right now. And I feel like I still got that in the video game, but I think you're right. I didn't really feel him doing that in this movie. But like I said, uh, I feel like him phoning it in is still better than just about anybody else trying to phone it in. And maybe since yeah. uh, maybe since it's Jason Reitman, who is Ivan Reitman's son, maybe that made him care a little bit more. Like he wasn't just doing a favor for somebody he didn't know for a movie studio. He was doing it for his friend's son, who's trying to make a decent Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, he's back with Dan Aykroyd. Those guys, I think, are still sort of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's. I think I told you the story back when it happened, but like he showed up around here to meet with Dan Aykroyd right just before they announced that this was officially coming. Mm-hmm. Um, it was because it was a, one of those weird things where all of a sudden, like, social media started to be like, is Bill Murray in town? Like, that's weird, right? And then eventually <laughs> somebody pieced together that he was picking up pizza out by Dan Aykroyd's place. <laughs> It's like, oh, nice. okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it was just a funny little thing that happened. And it's like, <laughs> and it's, but it was like, I think it was like a couple of weeks later that they made the official announcement that this was coming. And it was clear that everyone 
was going to be involved because I think Bill Murray technically had to sign off just for them to make the movie. Mm. I, I think it, regardless of whether he was going to appear in it or not, I think there's something yeah. weird like that where those original, those original three, I think had to agree to have any movie made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forget what my point was there. My point is like, he, <laughs> I don't know that he cared about being in this movie. He cared about being in this movie. He was back with his buddies. It felt right. And all three of those characters, like the dialogue they were saying, as well as just the performances, felt like the Ghostbusters to me. Mm-hmm. And I that that's partly why I wanted more of it. It's just because they were doing it well. And I uh, love when uh, Ray turned out to be podcasts only subscriber. <laughs> that is such a stupid moment. And it made me laugh. I'm just like <laughs> uh, me and Amanda talked about, we did enjoy, and this may be nothing. This may be something that you're like, well, that was kind of stupid, but whatever. We did enjoy that. Uh, Winston, who always seemed to get the short end of the stick as far as the ghostbusters were. Cause I mean, it was always, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, yeah. and Bill Murray, like their characters were like the three. And then they just hired Winston to kind of be like, you know, the 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 fourth one bringing up the rear. Like he never got as much recognition as the other ones. Yeah. We did like that he had become like this financial guy who was like super rich now. That he had kind of been more successful than everybody else when he left. And then now he was sort of going to be the one in charge of the Ghostbusters. If you kind of go by what the post credit scene was. And we just thought it was fun that he's the one who was always kind of overlooked when it came to all four of the Ghostbusters. So now he's sort of the, one of the, mo- the most successful ones and is going to be pushing this forward. Yeah. I, I agree. That's nice. In reality, he- the other three are... Or the other two are probably like, yeah, we may never do another Ghostbusters movie. But Ernie Hudson's like, yeah, I'll, I'll show up anytime you send me a paycheck. So just let me know. I fucking love Ernie Hudson. I don't care. <laughs> he's a good actor. He's a likable guy. And he is just. He's got a presence on screen that I appreciate. Oh, I don't I like him. In, like, like, I always think about how much I like him in The Crow. And when I watch the movie, I'm like, he doesn't do much. It's like. <laughs> But I just like him. That's all. You still didn't do that walking against the wind shit. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. so, so what did you think of the uh, post credit stuff? The, the Skurney Weaver cameo was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way, the I, way I was they kinda did hoping, it. I was kind of hoping she'd be more in the movie, though. But I had the, the I scene with had her, no problem with her. Yeah, the scene with her and Bill, her the scene with her and Bill was a lot of fun, and it was a great callback to the first movie. And yeah. it's just fun seeing them their chemistry on screen together again. Yeah, and I, the way they did it, where it like it's a, if you're paying attention to the credits, it showed her name, but she hadn't been on camera yet, so yeah. it took me a beat. I'm like, wait, she wasn't in this movie. Oh, there she is, and it was <laughs> it was a really fun little moment, and it was just. Yeah, I just enjoyed watching it, and that's all there is to it. Again, I it was the characters from Ghostbusters back on screen again, and both acting like they did in the movie, and <laughs> it's all I wanted. Yeah, older and wiser. <laughs> well, ish. Yeah. Uh, what about Ernie Hudson taking over the uh, the firehouse? Even though, <laughs> as someone pointed out. And I noticed myself when it happened, 
that uh, Ray had told Phoebe that the firehouse had been turned into a Starbucks. Yeah. But then so, at the end, he shows up to, to to bring the Ecto-1 back into the firehouse. But there's a couple of moments in this film. We've, we've discovered a whole issue mm. where... Because Phoebe also says that the Finn Wolfhard character has failed his driving test multiple times. But mm. then the reveal is that he's 15. Yeah. So how did he take his driving test multiple times if he's only 15? Yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't make any sense. Not yeah. to mention, like, they live in New York City prior to moving out there. So why is he even trying to get a driver's license? Like, it would make more sense if he was trying to get a job to buy a subway pass, right? Oh, fuck this uh, movie. It, this just ruined it all for me. You just pointed it out. You started movie picking, falls apart. It really does. Um, and then the other, like that, but that goes back to, we, we hinted at it and then moved away from it. But like the whole Phoebe being in summer school thing, not make sense like they're literally going there for a week and on the day when they're leaving they find out they're getting evicted so she says all right i guess we're not going for a week i guess we're staying for at least the summer and then when they get there she's registered for school it just doesn't make sense and why is finn wolfhard not registered for school well it's summer so she's in summer school right why not he goes and gets a job i guess but she's also the smart one in summer school is generally where you put the dumb kids right that's true it's a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> it's falling apart completely. We both hate it now. It's the worst. Yeah, we should probably. Ever. I almost want to end the podcast just because I don't want to talk until we start disliking this movie. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that to yeah. ourselves before. Uh, well, let's end on a positive. Did you uh, right. did you ever watch the cartoon back in the day? Yeah. Did you see the cartoon ghost? The one with the uh, the giant eyeball. He's from the cartoon. Oh, right. No. See, I knew I recognized him, but I didn't know from where. But you're right. Okay. Because by, by have I seen the cartoon, I did watch the Halloween episode just before Halloween this year. <laughs> nice. So it hasn't been that long. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, thought, no. I thought it was that a makes fun occasion. I, I recognized the ghost, but I didn't place it. And I, then I just figured, oh, it's from one of the previous two movies but I didn't realize it was a cartoon ghost. Yeah. I like it better now. Yeah. See, that cheered you up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.